Hey guys, if you like listening to us, um, you can follow us on Twitter or email us. Follow us on Twitter at writer, W-R-T-R, bagel, B-A-G-E-L, basket, B-S-K-T, on Twitter, or email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to do. Submit fan art. Submit a logo. Do anything, because we want to hear from you. And if you have show suggestions, email them. Scott? Scott. Dwight, where have you been? They, okay, I've been running a movie theater, and unfortunately, oh, they're tearing it down tomorrow, Scott, and it sucks. But, Scott, have I got a gift for you. In my hand, right here, 100% pure, genuine rainforest paper is a ticket. Scott, this ticket was given to me by who do you think was given gave me this ticket? It was a famous magician. Scott, Magi- magician? A magician. A famous a famous magician gave me this ticket and has imbued it with all sorts of magical, mystical powers. Houdini? You wish it was Houdini. It was David Blaine. Da- David Blaine gave me this ticket, and he got it from a homeless street man that got it from a fireman. And it has been passed down for generations to generation. And I now have it, and I'm going to give it to you, Scott. What does it do? I have no idea. Except for it te- teleports you, transports you into the world of podcasting, Scott. We already do that. Scott, I haven't <laughs> been here in a while. Let me have this. Can you let me have this, Scott? I don't know. This sounds an awful lot like Last Action Hero, which is in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. Tear me apart, Lisa! You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. Sorry, Jeff. You lose. It was Professor Plum. I said Plum. The men you seek think you are dead, Kimosabe. We're going to pass to the start of the Bernoulli Convergenator. If he puts a car in fifth gear, he can jumpstart the whole thing. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kurland. How do I do this? And I'm Dwight Stern. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Talking out of my mouth <laughs> is what? It's great to have you here. Yeah, hi. Welcome back to the, the Writer's Bagel Basket, Dwight. The the official co-host. Oh, the official the, co-host. Is that what I am? Still? No, no. Co-hosts, plural. Oh, co-hosts. We're both co-hosts. Okay, I follow you. Yes. No, the, okay, okay. Well, we should we should probably address it. Or do you want to do your little blurb first? Nope. Okay, we'll we'll get to the. I mean, we we should we should address this. Obviously, I feel like because I haven't been here in a while, and um, I never had like an official last. Clearly, this isn't a last podcast because I'm still going to be here, and I know Scott has um, gracefully picked up the reins in my slack. Um, but I I felt at the time that it was more appropriate for me to step down from a full time hosting capacity, um, strictly because, and this is like how I felt. I felt like I was holding the podcast back. I really did. Um, and a good example as to how I feel that I was holding it back, Scott, we were talking the other day. You sent me a list of like 14 movies that you've planned with like 85 guests. You have like a giant log ready and planned of things to do. And I do not think you could have accomplished that with me as the albatross around your neck. Oh, well, no. It <laughs> it, it was because everyone... When they found out that that I had open spots for co-hosts, they just started coming at me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, they're coming at you, guys. Yeah. I need to beat them off with a stick. Yes. No, but don't, so, don't they know that Dwight is my man? Uh, well, it's, that's why I stepped down, Scott. We got to share the love. So, 
like I want like I like you said because I've been listening to it. Um, there was no bad blood. There was no uh, fights or behind the scenes um, explosions. It was just uh, it was it was a time where I felt like I was holding the show back, and Scott uh, has Scott. You have a very clear vision for what you want this, and I feel that. Um, I just want to hang out with you, which is fair, which is what we're doing. <laughs> so, but I, but I, I'm so excited in seeing like your passion for the show and how it is clearly growing. So, um, thank you for still doing the show, Scott, and thank you for having me on as your guest this week. You're not my guest. You are my co-host. <laughs> this, is, this, this is we're gonna about have we're about to have a real fight about this right now. I'm your guest. Scott. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, so no, no, you created this with me. I'm not. I'm totally. This is all your brainchild. Don't you give me even eighty five percent of the credit? No, you you started with you. You started you, with podcasting, and that inspired me. And I said, "You want to do one together?" And you said, "Yes." Fair. You've been talking about doing podcasts for years, though. Uh, I said, but it I'm, wasn't. I'm, it wasn't until you started doing it that that really true and fair. I'm still waiting for your Boy Meets World podcast. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> but anyways, so it's good to be back. Uh, you got a double dose of me, or I don't know how you're slotting these out or whatnot, if, if they're going to be back-to-back. They're or... not going to be back-to-back. They're oh, going to be scattered. But, but Just kidding. Look for me in the future, guys. But uh, you, because people are like, is he still on the podcast? Yes. Do I am. I, I'm, not I... Going, I'm not going anywhere permanently. Don't worry. I, I will... Um, I, I'm over uh, my burnt carcass. What's the word I'm looking for here? I'm, I'm nerdisting this. I'm is it, not, is it Jonah who Jonah shows up from time Ma- to time? Yeah, is Matt? I, I haven't listened to Matt years, is so the... still on, but he's on Goldberg's. So you're you're like Jonah, it's, yeah? Because Matt, Matt, and Chris Harwick kind of at times they had bad blood. Oh, did they? Um, See, I never actually followed them too uh, closely. And like they made up for it. They had an entire podcast where. They hashed it out. They had a therapy session on the air. It was very awkward. Oh, well. (laughs) It was super awkward. What episode? I want to listen to it. We can talk about this off air. So, (laughs) I'm here. Get used to me. Yes. Good. What did we watch this week, Scott? What's this blurb thing? So, for Summer summer Flop Busters, I kind of stole this from Lee Martin, who has uh, guest hosted uh, from uh, Jukebox Zeros. He writes a little blurb about... The albums that tanked that they covered, and since we're covering movies that flopped, I thought I would uh, write something up and just go over it. Like, I did research on, like, how they tanked and why they tanked. You should write it down so that way you can read it back. Yeah, <laughs> like like this in my hand. So, our movie this week is Apparently, I'm having a stroke. Like, since you haven't been here, I've been having, like, str- fake strokes on air. It might have been all that pizza we just ate that is clogging up our arteries. So, our but- movie our movie this week for Summer Flop Busters is Last Action Hero, um, which was predicted to be the big movie of 19... 19- 93 for the summer of 93 Mm -hmm. so coming out in the summer of 1993 last action hero was targeted to be the biggest movie of that year this film had everything going for it it had a big star arnold schwarzenegger who was at the top of his game with five consecutive number one movies both reaching uh three to four week statuses at number one at the box office a hotshot director named john mctiernan who his previous three films were die hard Predator, The Hunt for Red October, and if you want to get really technical, Medicine Man, but no one's ever seen We don't Medicine. because you said the three previous movies, so well, we're, not, we're ignoring Medicine Man. Well, no, one, no one's seen Medicine Man. Um, 
but it was well reviewed. Um, Columbia even hired Shane Black to write the script, along with Zach Penn. And the third person who worked on the script was Hollywood legend William Goldman, who wrote The Princess Bride, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, amongst many other films. He is a multi-Oscar winning screenwriter. Cool. Um, that's where you get most of the fantasy elements of this film. Goldman took an uncredited role, and Penn had to get a story by credit because w- WGA standards back then um, said that you could only have uh, two screenwriters on there, and they already had Shane Black and David Arnott um, as the credited screenwriters. So Last Action Hero was set to debut June 18, 1993. With a budget of $85 million for the production, $15 million, uh, now it's estimated at $20 million, went to Arnie for his uh, cost of being a superstar. But the film had the misfortune of opening one week after Jurassic Park. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> one, oh, that's too bad. Because they're like, no one's going to see a dinosaur movie. and they A conne- Steven Spielberg dinosaur movie? Well, at, at this time, like the only other dinosaur movie to really come out was Carnosaur. <laughs> So they're like, yeah, yeah, that dinosaur movie's not going to do well. And they could never make their full budget of $137 million back domestically. It made it back, um, it made it back internationally, worldwide. like worldwide. It made $137 million, um, but that, that remaining cost, because it's speculated that it was at between $150 million for the marketing and Mm-hmm. NPR yeah. included. I, I think that the the standard, um, sorry to interrupt, blur, but the standard I believe formula for that is, uh, you take your budget and then you just double it, and that's typically what they spend on marketing costs. And this marketing was everywhere. I remember it. There was like McDonald's tie-ins. You showed me the 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 Blu-ray cover, and I that poster I saw everywhere. I so, had that poster, and I will get to awesome. what what else I had in my room. Um, but I the, don't want to know. The, thanks. But the full advertising budget alone proved to be costly. Um, but don't worry. The rise of video stores, midnight screenings, and premium cable repeats of Last Action Hero made it a cult classic. Yet at the time, it is still seen as a failure, and it led Arnie to not stick to a contract with Columbia, and he went crawling back to 20th Century Fox, and he wouldn't make another movie with Columbia until 1999 for end of days that's like a million years in movie years yeah so let's talk about last action hero okay so i had never seen this movie before when, when scott came to me with the the concept of summer flop busters he was like dwight we're getting you out of retirement he, he was a very grumpy old um police chief and, and he pulled me out um out of retirement to, to do this movie and i've never seen it before and Holy crap! This movie lived up to his expectations. It's one of my Scott. favorite. It's one of my favorites, and it was so much fun. And like, see, Writer's Bagel Basket. We either do really good movies or really bad movies. Like, and and the next one that you're going to be on is a really bad movie. <laughs> I think I'm going to like it. Yeah, I think I'm going to like it. We'll see. So um, it holds up. So this, my parents would not let me see Jurassic Park in theaters. I oh, couldn't. I, de- I definitely didn't see it in theaters. I couldn't either. see it until it came out on VHS. And at the time, I had to sit with my dad, and if I got scared, if he thought I was getting scared, uh, he, he, my mom made him turn it off. That's too but, funny. But I was like, those are dinosaurs. That's not scary. So instead, my dad's like, 
you want to go see two movies instead of one Jurassic Park? I was like, hell yeah, what are we seeing? And we saw this in Super Mario Brothers. Oh, I'm sorry on Super Mario Brothers. That movie's not good. No, it's not. That movie's really bad. No. That's why I probably I didn't want to go see Jurassic Park because Super Mario was coming out around the same time and I was uh, so, a super giant <laughs> video game nerd. So this I'm. is how that went. Uh, so June 11th was Jurassic Park. June 18th was the, was this, Last Action Hero. And two weeks before that, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Was it Super Mario Brothers? Was Super, super Mario Brothers. Super Show. Did yeah. you watch the Super Show? Oh, yeah. So good. With uh, what's his name from... Cindy Lop- Captain Lou Ferrigno? Yeah, Captain Lou Ferrigno. Wait, well, Lu- uh, no, it's uh, Lou, Lou Albano. Albano. Lou Albano, yeah. Lou Ferrigno. So, Lou- what, what, what am I, uh, the Hulk? Yeah, Bruce, uh, David Banner. Yeah. Um, so, last action hero, why don't you give us a quick synopsis? So, when I'm snipping things out, so this movie, it, it did not do what I expected it to do. Um, so, the basic rundown of this, of this film is uh, there's a, a boy named Danny who is a giant action movie buff. Uh, it is his favorite thing in the world to do. He has a, um, a neighborhood theater that he goes to. He skips school um, to watch these, these uh, cheesy action movies. And his favorite one uh, stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, which blew my mind that they were like, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger in, what's the name of the character? Jack? Something? Jack Slater. Jack Slater. Bow so down. this is his favorite series of films. It's Jack Slater. He's watching Jack Slater 3 off the bat. And um, the new Jack Slater movie is coming out, and he gets a magic ticket from the guy who owns the movie theater, which pulls him into the movie on a wacky, wild adventure through the uh, silver screen of Jack Slater 4, which I call um, BS on these Jack Slater titles because they would have definitely had a subtitle. And I, it, like, they should have had, like, Jack Slater floor for Blood Vengeance 7 or something like that. You know what I mean? Did they have, did they have... Only for titles? the, only for the, like, Roger Corman, only for the cheesy, like, direct-to-video movies. What are you talking about? Rambo? i oh, sorry. First Blood. Yeah. Rambo 2. First Blood Part 2. And Rambo 3. Like, but need... then you have, like, Godfather. Yeah, Godfather Part 2. And then, for, like, super... artsy-fartsy movies. Yeah, I mean... This was also a riff on like the whole Death Wish, Death Wish Part Two, mm-hmm. Death Wish Part Three. Uh, I don't think it was till like Death Wish Part Four, A Wish for Dying for or something. Like, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but I, I agree. With I, you. I guess it's just more of a stereotype that I want. So, anyways, he's pulled into the movie. He goes on wacky wild. That he run our meets um, Jack Slater. He goes on a wild adventure with him. They eventually cross back into the real world with dire and funny consequences and it, it it's a movie that is a great synopsis thank you um so yeah this movie is fucking awesome <laughs> this movie's great um like i said i've never seen it before but i it is i was not expecting it to be as tongue-in-cheek as it was because it's riffing on action tropes it's riffing on just like the bad action movies of the 80s and early 90s it is so self-aware and so um just like conscious of what it is doing and it is like razor sharp in like mocking those ridiculous tropes and i did not know that was a thing in the 90s early 90s the three people behind this were responsible for some of the like most iconic action films you have the director Mm -hmm. of die hard Shane Black, who wrote Lethal Weapon, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Like, you don't even... Yeah. Terminator. Terminator 2. Like... Terminator 3. Terminator <sighs> 4, Scott. Well, was he in... Terminator 5. No, I know he was in 5. Was Oh, he was in Salvation. Yeah. Terminator. Barely. Like, I'm just joking. I'm just being a butt. Th- they rotoscoped his face on, like, <laughs> some, some like, good-looking twink spotty. And, yeah, and didn't he, like... Provide the voice for it as well. Like, like he no, was, he like, doesn't even about, talk. He just goes. Like like, a, uh, okay, but anyways. Yeah, yeah. But Schwarzenegger, who's like, I mean, it's Schwarzenegger and Stallone. It's like those are like the people who would be in an action movie, as evidenced by this one. Yeah. So it was just so cool. Like, Wait, to see Bruce him. Willis too, because of Die Hard. Oh yeah. Well, what what did Bruce Willis do for action movies outside of the Die Hard stuff? Off the top of my head, I can't. Twelve remember. Monkeys. Oh yeah, and um, uh, he was in what's, what's the Lilu one? Oh, Fifth Element. There we go, Fifth yeah. Element. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Oh, do you remember Mercury Rising? No, the one where he has to protect a kid with autism. I do from not Alec remember that. Baldwin. Oh, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, that was just that wasn't a movie. That was a documentary. <laughs> oh, but anyways, last action hero. Tons of fun. So, next episode. <laughs> getting into it. Austin O'Brien plays Danny Madigan. And Austin O'Brien, at this point, the only other movie he has been in, I think he was he was in Lawnmower Man and he was in Lawnmower Man 2. But Electric th- Boogaloo. Yeah. The only other film that I knew him from was, um, I'm not proud of this, My Girl 2 and the Babysitter's Club. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm not going to delve into that. My older <laughs> sister... She liked My Girl and My Girl 2, and she loved The Babysitter's Club. My Girl 1 is really good. Um, I've never seen My Girl 2. It's Does Macaulay Culkin come back in like a flashback? No. Oh, too bad. No. Missed opportunity on that one. Um, what else has this kid done past this? Did he do much beyond Not Flash much. Action Hero? This movie probably killed his career, sadly. No, this movie still helped his career because he got great reviews, and it also came out around the same time as My Girl too. So okay, yeah. Um, for, I think for Babysitters a, Club killed his career. Okay, that makes sense. For a child actor, he was very good. Um, he was a he's a little bit older than like really young kid actors, so he was, uh, he was believable in selling the fact that he could be a giant action movie fan, and like. The enthusiasm that he had juxtaposed against like the dire consequences that could be happening in these in the in the um, Jack Jack Slater Jack Slater movie. I need to write this down. Uh, <laughs> was it was fun? It, he was he was a fun character to watch because it was as if you the the audience member was plucked and dropped into a your favorite genre of movie where you can be like, this is going to happen next, and I know it's going to happen next, so I know how to react to it. I it feel really like, cool. I feel like this is the movie that made being a film geek, like, really cool. Because this made, this made, like, liking movies and knowing movies not feel like a stigma, because if you're coming from the mindset that it's a child, mm-hmm. and I was like, I, I love this movie because I was like, I'm this kid. I felt like this kid as a kid because I'd be like, oh, man, that's from a movie. And they're like, we don't want to be your friend. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go with my real friends, Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis. What year was Clerks? 94. Okay, so it was was a year later. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, because I feel like that that movie was to me the one that was like, oh, my God, there's people talking about things in movies. I never saw this movie until now. So, um my mom wouldn't let me watch Clerks at that time because that was a oh, I hard R. I definitely didn't watch that movie until I was later, but I'm talking about like 
because I did not see this movie when I was younger, seeing a movie deconstruct or t- a movie talk about other movies was a new thing for me when I first saw Clerks. So. Yeah. So I didn't see a movie like this where they like actively referenced outside of like Gremlins where they watch Snow White in it, but that's not deconstructing Snow White or anything like that. Whereas this was a deconstruction of an action movie within a cheesy 90s action movie and it was awesome yeah because in gremlins loretta de castillo doesn't come out and be like start singing to the gremlins that would have been awesome but or if like the movie itself was a funny musical almost like enchanted like enchanted's a deconstruction of the princess movies if that had happened but anyways so this movie starts out like I love the fact that it starts out you're watching the end of Jack Slater 3 and you don't you know but you don't know that you're watching like his mm-hmm. movie cuz they didn't really do much like in the advertising they're like uh Schwarzenegger like you've never seen him before. I think they went through like you've seen him as a robot. You've seen him as uh a kindergarten cop. But you've never seen him as Jack Slater, and like they they tricked you. Was this so that so that's how this movie was advertised? Was it was advertised as an action movie, the, not as a deconstruction or as a comedy? So in like R-rated movies, they did it as like that, mm-hmm. and then like in kid movies, they did this is a PG thirteen because this is PG thirteen. Right? They did this as Last Action Hero. They did this as you know mm-hmm. the the fantasy element. So so. I know when I saw it in theaters, like, I was in theaters with, like, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds who were like, what's this little kid doing here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why is there a seven-year-old boy in this theater? This is a Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, excuse me, there is a little boy on that movie poster. This is a movie for me. I they got a, advertised this movie to kids. I remember seeing it. I, I got a free poster younger. because I had Nickelodeon magazine... And I, I had Nickelodeon magazine. I didn't have it around this time. And I only had it for this year. <laughs> and if you got it, they gave you like a swag bag, and in it was I remember that was a poster for this. And I had this hanging on my wall. <laughs> oh God, I'm so embarrassed to reveal this. Next to a poster of Tiger Woods. <laughs> Tiger Woods standing in front of a <laughs> hole about to putt. <laughs> Well, you know, um, oh, it's it gets a good, worse. good motivation. No. Was Tiger when I didn't realize Tiger Woods was a thing when we were seven. That's that's a uh, deep cuts there. Scott. He, he he started to come into, and I also oh, it gets so much worse. I also had a blockbuster video calendar of movie posters. <laughs> that's awesome. It gets worse. That's not embarrassing. That's no, great. It gets worse because I had a Major League Two poster that I got from a Supercuts. They made a Major League Two. <laughs> They've made. I had no idea. They made a major league three back to the minors. What the hell? Seriously, Are, is this on Tom Hanks' IMDb? You mean Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of a League of Their Own. Oh, no. J.K. Lowell's. That's fine. I oh, love okay, a League of so Their Interesting. Own. Yeah, League of, for some reason I thought you were talking about a League of Their Own. No, Major League. <laughs> I would have gladly had a League of Their Own poster. So yeah, so I had this movie poster. <laughs> And, like, right before I would go to bed. Oh, and I had... <laughs> would you kiss it? Like, no, no. Bye, good night, Arnie. No, like, I, I would just... It would be right in front of my bed, and I would just fall asleep, like, looking at the post. Staring at Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, striking blue eyes. Are they blue? Scott, you looked at the poster. What color is... His, are, he, are has, he has baby blues. Oh, <laughs> um, nice. But, no, 
I, I, oh, this is so embarrassing. I wanted to be the kid. <laughs> I well, want- obviously. I mean, like, that's, um, I wouldn't be embarrassed about that. Like, at that age, like, that's the whole point why they put these kids in those movies, according to marketing, is because, like, as a kid, you want to fantasize that you are the person in the movie. Like, that's like, it's like a, it's a power fantasy. It's a projection. So, you, the only thing you have to be embarrassed about, sir, is being fear seven. Itself. Oh, that too. Well, that's not embarrassed. You have to be afraid of fear. Fear and death. And heart disease. How was that pizza? It was really good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, as we were talking, the movie does open up with the movie within a movie. Yep. And it does all of the Arnie tropes. Like, the police have this building encompassed with, like... <laughs> uh, Just, like, SWAT cars. SWAT cars. And-, and, and there had to be, like... It looked like a bunch of dominoes when they did the overhead shot. It looked like a bunch <laughs> of dominoes lined up. Well, we, I was talking about this while we were watching it. It's really interesting because the aesthetic of early 90s, late 80s um, police cars, they looked so distinct and iconic with like the light bars on top and like the boxy shape and like the, the black and white paint job. Nowadays, police cars just, just look like cars that say police on them. Like they're not interesting or exciting or like you can't look at them and, and immediately identify it as police. Whereas like... It's such a snapshot into an era seeing those and just like seeing it was Arnie walking across the top of him, yeah. right? Like it's so cool. And they give him like the hero's introduction of his snakeskin boots and the pan up and, and the, the electric the cigar guitar. And, yeah. Like so good. Like that I love that score. When I was little and I would ride my bike. This movie was my my jam. Like I I love this movie, and I used to rent it all the time. And one day, my dad's like, "It's on HBO. Just record it." <laughs> We're done. And while I would ride my bike, I would just be like riding, and I'd be like, "Bow down, <laughs> bow down," because there is a scene on the bike that <laughs> we'll get to. That. There is um, pretty bike, and this has all of the the classic, you know, grizzled cop and. And the angry police chief, who's actually the comic relief, and he's like, Slater! Damn it, Slater! If you go in there, I'll have your badge! Take my badge. He just flips the badge to him. And and then Tina Turner randomly shows up. You know. Tina Turner is supposed to be the mayor, and she goes, I I know that as mayor, you and I have had our little kiss-kiss. So, did he bang the mayor? Uh... Well, he's supposed to have an ex-wife by this point, so probably. It's possible that at some point during that movie, he banged the mayor. And the and the lieutenant governor, she's like, I got the lieutenant governor. And he punches him in the face. He's like, call me when the real governor is here. Which that's, is great. Cause that's he's just gonna, badass. Because he's going to be a governor. Man, Arnie, like... He's already here, Arnie, and it's you. In the future. And this is where my one of the best lines in the movie is because they <laughs> retreat do not let him in piece of cake hey you want to be a farmer here's a couple of acres decker the next one i'll hurt they constantly try to do like arnie saying quotes like his asa la vista and he his, does a bunch of one-liners and, and everything this one-liner is you wanna be a farmer Kicks a guy right in the crotch. There's a couple of acres. <laughs> it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It does, because now his nuts are aching, so he's got two acres down there. Because he's a farmer, and farmers need acres to farm. Oh, that's so gross. 
It's what he did. The movie did it, Scott. <laughs> and this is where, like, this movie, this is the only time I was like, the bad guy in this movie doesn't feel like a bad guy in, like, a normal... Because, no, he felt like... Um, a serial killer? Yeah. Do you remember the episode of South Park with the, the, the killer where Cartman becomes a psychic and, like, he's tracking down the killer that cuts off people's hands? He looked exactly like this guy. Like, the the bald with, like, the long, stringy hair. That's where I, they probably got it from. I would imagine. You're very possible. It just looked so... Like, who was the actor who was playing him? Tom Noonan. So, what he's from is he was... The bad guy. He's he was mainly an indie actor. Um, he was in a lot of Jim Jarmusch movies, mm-hmm. but he was famous for being one of the bad guys in RoboCop Two. Oh, okay. I don't think I've ever seen RoboCop Two. It's awful. I've seen <laughs> RoboCop One. It's great. RoboCop but One's the, great. It looked like um, like Brad Dorf. Like like the 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 long stringy hair. It looked mm-hmm. like Brad Dorf as like Grima Wormtongue. Like, and he had like these like weird like makeup things under his eyes where they like his eyes looked really sunken in and like they were just, trying like, to give him pop just, marks. Just like flat. It was it was legitimately creepy and it was like he I don't think he would have been a main bad guy in an eighties movie or an action movie, but he definitely would have been like the lead henchman. Or he would have been like a serial killer. Like it, it mm-hmm. felt like he should have been in a horror movie. Like yeah. like Yeah, I got really Silence of the Lambs vibes from him. Yeah, he should have been like the guy who was like killing two kids banging at Camp Crystal Lake. Like, what? Like, <laughs> he should have been like like at a horror movie. Camp Crystal Lake is the one I always think of because of Friday the Thirteenth. But mm-hmm. like, like in in a horror movie when like the two, I, I see what you mean. Like, the two teenagers like, are like, oh, I'm just gonna go when, take a shower when they're when they're up at Lover's Point, and then all of a sudden like there's a hook outside of the, the car that's like scraping yeah. scraping along it. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah. Oh, Billy, don't go out there. But I got it, Karen. I got to go see what that noise was. No, I'm scared. And he opens up the door and he gets immediately axed in the face. Because his name is the Ripper. Like Yeah, the, like he was ripping kids' faces off. Right. So that feels more like a horror movie than, than it being in this awesome action movie. Yeah. But, but this is like, this sequence in The Last Action Hero was really, like, it, it I was enjoying the movie thus far because it was really tongue-in-cheek and, and over-the-top. Because like Arnold's introduction and the things he's doing are so over-the-top. But when he's interacting with the Ripper, this is the first moment when I was like, this movie knows what it's doing. Because to transition... So, the Ripper's holding his son, uh, Jack's son. or uh, Yeah, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. And, like, they go through this whole, like, escalation rigmarole of, like, get rid of all your guns. And then Arnold throws a grenade at him and blah, blah, blah. But well, I love in that, I love when he's like, Jack, is that the only gun you have? And then he takes out like 50 yeah. other guns. Like out of his sock, out of his like behind, like behind in, in his, his back. Yeah, behind his back, like out of his pants. It's crazy. Um, so the bad guy has like this gnarly looking axe that he's like threatening to kill uh, the son with. And I don't remember exactly what happens, but it ends up that like Arnold Schwarzenegger ends There's- up shooting him. There's a knife in the grenade. That's that's what it was. That was sort of the grenade that he had thrown was fake and had a knife in it. He's like, I'm flattered, Jack. I'm flattered that that you would kill me and your son, but I highly doubt it. And he's like, pick it up. And the kid picks it up. He's like, this is a toy. And then a knife comes out and the kid stabs him. And then the projector breaks. Which, well, it goes out of focus. Yeah. Which is like, 
because it starts getting really fuzzy and you're watching it and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? And so then that bridges you into Danny's story in the real world. And it was just a really cute, clever way of like introducing him and the, the, the scene that we were in or the scenario that we were in. It was really neat. And I liked it. I love when Danny's like, focus. And there's like a hobo and he's like trying to sleep here. <laughs> yeah. And you're not going to be sleeping for much longer because they're going to tear down that movie theater yeah you find out so danny goes upstairs to to talk to his um nick nick the guy who runs and owns the theater who apparently has been in his family for generations yeah his his dad built it as a vaudeville theater Mm -hmm. and um he had everyone from buffalo bill to houdini that so that's nuts like yeah, that, so, that, that, wouldn't that so, make it like a historic landmark if Houdini performed But this was there? 93. If yeah. Buffalo Bill performed there. This yeah. was, um, so <laughs> this is what I love about Bill uh, Nick. Nick is played by Robert Pros- Prosky, who, if you know the movie um, Broadcast News, he was basically the same role, but instead of owning a movie theater, he was the news editor. <laughs> like he was that same kind of... Ah, fiddlesticks, you guys do what you gotta do, and I support everything you're doing. Like, he always plays a sweet old man. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I remember him from. There was something very specific that I remember him from. No, none of these look like things that I... There he... was something like very... Oh, Mrs. Doubtfire, that's what I remember him from. I remember oh, him from Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, he's the he... bus driver. In no, Mr. no, oh, he in... owns the station. That's what it is. Yes, 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 yes. Because he's like... That's yeah, I, know. I remember him. Why are you dressed like a woman? That's it. Yeah. Yep. Because the whole dinner sequence, that's where yeah. I knew him from. Uh-huh. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. He died a long time ago. Ten years. Yeah. R.I.P. So, uh, their relationship is very sweet, but uh, I think it was either Wisecrack. Yeah, Wisecrack did a, a film theory on this, and the film theory was that that he, like, every day would, like, kidnap Danny and and make him watch the movies and like basically beat the shit out of this so, kid. So Danny was like um, abused, like a like a PTSD. Like he's like, I'm in this abusive relationship, he, but I have he, to keep on going back to it type of deal. More like he had Stockholm syndrome. That's the word. And, I'm looking and like for. the Stockholm whole syndrome. the whole like him going into the movie was a metaphor for him just like fantasizing something else while he's being beaten by this like man who is not a relative. That's incredibly dark. You don't believe that a magical ticket from Harry Houdini. Where clearly, clearly Nick is a metaphor for his grandfather because his dad's dead and he has no parental figure except for his mom, who is played by Mercedes Rule mm-hmm. from The Fisher King. And, you know, like, you got to have a full household. Like, so actually, that makes a lot of sense when, when, you, when you put it that way, um, because he doesn't have a father figure. So he looks to these action movies as like a, a way uh, as a, a male role model and like a parental figure. And then so, you have this guy who's showing them to you. Who's like a grandfather. Yep. Like, and I, I actually, I never usually write on, um, on YouTube videos. And I was like, this is a hundred percent wrong. How dare you? <laughs> like I got so mad. I was like, Nick is a sweet man. He is a sweet man who's about to lose his theater. Oh, okay. So this goes back to what I was going to say. That theater is still around. The movie theater itself was torn down. But in New York, that became a Lowe's. And then they tore that down. And they turned that into the Times Square AMC. So if you want to go see where this film was shot, go there. 
you can you know, be in the location. Location. Not the yeah. same place, though. I know. Because it's gone. I know. Scott. This movie. Ruined in this movie. The only thing that really makes me mad in this movie is how many great, like, revival house theaters there were in 93. And they're all gone now. They're all gone. They, like, walked past, like, a million of them. Yeah. The The only ones that are still around are the the AFI theater that, like, the American Film Institute owns in New York. Good luck in that one. And there's a few indie ones. Um, But this movie makes you think, like, back in in 93, there were, were, like, 50 on every corner. It's true, but the internet also didn't exist yet, so people couldn't just stream any movies they wanted to see whenever. I love it, but this movie makes me sad. Also, I mean, like, with the rise of... This isn't the time or the place to get into the conversation of the death of theaters, but, like, with the rise of home media and, like better viewing experiences that you can have indoors as opposed to going out to a theater, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a lot of dated stuff in this because you have all the movie theaters and then you also have Blockbuster Video. Yeah, that, that part was great. That so sad. Yeah, it we're was. Get, we're getting there. So, okay. Uh, yeah. So Danny has been skipping school to go see these movies and that's like a big issue. Gets him in trouble at school. Yeah. Um. He, Nick wants him to go to school so he basically bribes him he's like if you go to school right now you can see the new jack slater movie at four at midnight yeah because he has a a print of it and he needs to screen it to do the standard before he gives it to another theater before they tear his down yeah because this is being torn down the next day you said or yeah Yeah, it's i missed that part because it says it on there it's like be noted this is going to become a lowe's demolition is to begin uh and it says the date and i guess the date is supposed to be tomorrow yeah neat that's so sad. That is pretty sad. Um, yeah, but Danny takes care of uh, part of the demolition. So <laughs> we'll he go he goes to school. So I told you that the actress Mrs. Wilson Joan Plowright plays the teacher in like a cameo. So Mrs. Wilson uh, from Dennis the Menace the movie is his teacher, and she's talking about the first action hero. Hamlet and I, I would have been that kid in school who would have been like, "Oh God, Jesus Christ, lady, <laughs> get out of your own ass! Come on, like I guess, but like, what about like you know, uh, Sherlock King, Holmes, King Arthur, Tom Sawyer, uh, Lancelot? I'm just gonna stick with the the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, how are they not action heroes? What, what was the guy who, who went to hell? Dante. Again, Dante. There you go. He's an action hero. Um. Prometheus, who brought fire to the masses. Icarus. Ulysses. 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 Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. You're a bad teacher. Yeah, she's she's a big dum-dum. So she goes, you may know that this film has a Laurence Olivier. What kid is going to know? Like, you could hear, like, it's just that this was a moment in the movie where I was like, Jesus Christ. It just felt really like, it felt like school. It was boring. I was like, oh my God, get on with it. Get back to the arty stuff. But then... They're, so they're watching uh, um, Lawrence of Olivier in Hamlet, and uh, Danny starts imagining that Hamlet has been replaced by Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's great. And it was so awesome. Something is rotten in the state of Denmark, and Hamlet is taking out the trash. No one's going to tell this sweet prince good night. To be... Or not to be. Not to be. How would it? Gr- how great would it be to see like action heroes in like Shakespeare, <laughs> like Macbeth, or I should say the Scottish play with <laughs> Stallone, 
Yeah, where's McDuff? That'd be amazing. Bruce oh. Willis as uh, Richard the Third. And that was the winter of our discontent. Made <laughs> that would have been absolutely hysterical. Like, it, or just amazing to see that. Harrison Ford as King Lear. <laughs> well, <laughs> get out of my lawn, you kids. <sighs> Uh, that scene is my favorite. This is one of the best scenes in the movie is the Hamlet scene. I, I had this action figure. There was a Hamlet action figure? There was, was a like Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, Hamlet action figure, and it had a skull grenade that shot out of his hand and a sword that turned into a machine gun. That's pretty awesome. It was awesome. That sounds great. <laughs> and then That's like, like when I used to go to the flea market and you would just see like a buckets full of toys. That's one of the random ones that you just find at the bottom. On Amazon, you can buy Every single one of these action figures. Why didn't you for the podcast and write it off as a tax expense, Scott? Because we don't make money on this podcast. Unless you want to be a sponsor of the podcast. I'm looking at you, Audible. (laughs) Audible, HelloFresh, come on, help us out. Casper, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm with Casper. Casper. (laughs) We're looking at you guys. Bob Uh, Ross. I'm just looking at your Bob Ross Funko Pop. That's awesome. Haley's Bob Ross Funko. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she has the cool one. I just have uh, Gene Wilder over there. Um, yeah, so all the action figures, including Jack Slater's car, you can get all of these for 100 bucks. That's not bad. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yep. If you're into that. <laughs> Which I'm not. <laughs> but anyways. Um, well, here's your birthday present. Oh, damn it. No. <laughs> so um, from here... We then cut to we meet his mom. We meet Danny's mom, and she's upset that he's skipping school. And I'm shocked that they got Mercedes Rule because she just won the Oscar for Fisher King. Like, she was probably already contractually obligated to do this. Or I mean, they got a lot of people in this, so it's possible that like because it's an Arnold movie. Yeah, you, well, it's an Arnold movie, and like you read the script, and the script is legitimately funny, and it's pretty scathing of actual action movies in general. I, like this, it feels. The scathing, like, like partially a love letter, but it's mostly a critique. To the me. love letter part is clearly Shane Black. The scathing stuff is clearly William Goldman. Yeah, it was, yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, and I know for a fact that the Hamlet stuff was written by William Goldman. How do you know that for a fact? Because he did the Princess Bride, and he talked about um, writing. That makes he, a lot of sense, actually. He's like, I really liked turning Arnold Schwarzenegger into this. You know, Shakespearean actor. <laughs> Which is it's still good. It's I quote good. I quote that scene all the time. I go, to be or not to be. Not to be. <laughs> Sounds like a Simpsons quote. Like McBain would have said that. Yeah. Um so so Danny, his mother, clearly like works overnight shifts. Like it's clear that these people are, are not very well off and like he, they're struggling to get by. I have the 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 novel, the accompanying Oh, okay. Yeah, and in that, they say what her job is. She is a nurse practitioner at a hospital. And really? Because she looked like a waitress because she had like the... I, I don't remember what she, nurses She's supposed to be were. like a hospital administrator. Because it looked like she had like a, one of those like... Just like an ascot that you would tie. Yeah. And I guess that's... Huh, interesting. Yeah. she. They wanted her to have a real job and not just be a waitress. But, well, that makes but sense. Because they never specify, you automatically think she's a waitress. I do. And I guess that's on me. That's me being not very woke, so I apologize. <sighs> what can I say? It's the 90s. I assume the worst. Hey, it's the 90s. And she lives in New York. Yeah, okay, so they're supposed to live close to this theater. Now, this theater is supposed to be in Midtown Manhattan. There, there's no way that a widow and her child can afford 
an apartment in Midtown Manhattan. Like, Dude, that place was a shithole, though. Yeah, well, I'm saying that, like, this hotel, this hotel, this apartment probably would have been, like, Brooklyn. Okay, it definitely did not look like a good one. It didn't um, look like Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> if you could walk to this theater. Um, and, oh, it was probably Hell's Kitchen, which would have explained it, because Hell's Kitchen would have been closer to this. So, okay, that's my fault. Never mind. Yeah. Jeez, don't you know the New York geography? Us who don't live in New York. I I know you were, you were turned in there. Um, yeah, I lived there for a year. <laughs> One long year. Um, cause I thought that I was always going to get stabbed in New York and I moved there when it was like basically renovated and everything was nice and everyone was happy. I was like, what the hell is going on? What's going on? I was supposed to get stabbed. Uh, I had a, a three o'clock stabbing today, please. I only almost got stabbed once and I already talked about that on the podcast with you. Yes, you have. <laughs> um, so his so mom. Danny almost gets stabbed. Yeah. Good segue. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so the mom goes, she's like. You lock this door. You lock this door, Daniel Manigan. And she leaves, and then he leaves, and this guy comes in who he clearly is, you know, tweaked out. Yeah, this guy, like, immediately breaks into his room, which is like painting this picture that in New York, people are just waiting outside of your door to break in and rob you. But they're so poor that after Danny gets handcuffed to this which is this a is a toilet. great but this is a great parallel cuz it comes back but um so Danny Danny gets handcuffed to a toilet um and the guy's like running around his apartment being like you got nothing here you no VCR i can get like 20 bucks for your TV like dude this place sucks like and then he lets him go i think it is or i don't remember what happens wait wait no he does have a VCR he, he has no stereo yeah. No stereo, a shitty VCR, and a TV that will give me, like, 20 bucks. The way he says it is, like, he's Tony Danzi. He's like, I'm going to be on Who's the Boss? And it's great, because he's acting like Danny's inconveniencing him when he broke into his apartment to steal his shit. <laughs> Man, robbers can be so inconsiderate these and, days. In the police station, is it weird that the, the officer who is interrogating Danny in there kind of looks like the the captain do you think that they're doing like that captain? I, I, when i first saw it i thought it was i thought it was the same person so i bet you it was intentional yeah and he's like your mom says to go right home like like the mom knows that he's gonna go to the theater right like she's like, come <laughs> and, on and he goes to the theater and he's so they keep doing time they keep have him looking at like the clock and he's like it, it's like five of midnight and then he gets to the theater. So this police station, he probably walked like three blocks mm-hmm. and he was probably only like 10 minutes late. And Nick's like, I waited. <laughs> you waited 10 minutes. Yeah, right. Like, oh, come on, guy. Also, it was just him that you were waiting for. So it's not like you were holding up an entire theater or like you were on a strict deadline to show this right at midnight. Yeah, like, you, you probably have... Like the only clientele he has are these homeless people who are living there, yeah, um, who are squatting, and then like probably prostitutes, you know, conducting business in the bathroom. Because we know there's prostitutes right outside of the theater, as we find out later. It's like, so creepy. Yeah, everything about this New York is like this is right before New York got like I I don't want to say. Giuliani, but right before it got Giuliani. Well, Giuliani, from what I understand, I'm I'm not up on my New York history, but I believe Giuliani like super cracked down on a lot of things and tended to clean up, maybe not in the 
nicest way possible, but he definitely cleaned up the city. Like he, he like gave like police like free reign to just arrest people and like get them off the streets. Yeah, like, not that that's the best way to go about things, but it worked. I, he I cracked down my on prostitution. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, they, they closed down all like the porno theaters and stuff, and it's like, come on, man. Oh, I just, I just picture your dad. I just picture him like, that's how you do it. Yep, that's how it. you do it. You got it. Good job, Jules. And now Giuliani's gone, knocking futs. <laughs> but anyways, we don't get political here on Writer's Bagel Basket. We don't. No. Um, but he's nuts. <laughs> Oh, I've missed you. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so he starts watching the movie, and this was another point where I could tell that they were setting stuff up and that they were doing it for oh, a reason. He has to get the ticket. Oh, that's right. Because he goes, "Oh, is the print ready?" He's like, "Where do you think you're going?" Because you, you can't see a movie without a ticket. This is where it gets a little creepy because Nick's like, oh, "How do I look?" This is this is what that guy. I pref- didn't understand the point of this. This is what that guy prefaced it, his whole abuse thing is is on him going how do i look in my old usher's uniform that i wore in like 1955 still fits i Not wear really. it every day oh like that's his hat though well okay so this this whole nick wearing the suit is based on a real thing because clayton moore the lone ranger used to wear his lone ranger costume every goddamn day that's just sad Right? Like, he, he, he in a sad way. It's like, yeah. I miss being the Lone Ranger. Because he, he, well, he was always doing shows. He was always doing, like, car dealership openings and, and stuff like that. And he would never take off the Lone Ranger costume. He would never take off the mask. He would never take off the hat. He was always the Lone Ranger. And that's what this is based on. The whole, you know, living your heyday in this costume. And that just makes this movie, like... A hundred percent more depressing and beautiful at the same time. Especially if, like, the place is being closed the next day. You know that he was, like, blasted out of his mind. Like, there's no way he wasn't, like, drowning his sorrows in, like, drink or and or pills. Like, he must have just been, like... You watch this movie, I'm gonna go back. do some cocaine. <laughs> well, you said, like, the first time that, like, you go up and Danny meets him, you're like... He just got done doing heroin. Like it looks like he like it was passed out. Yeah. Like, from I mean, you don't see like a needle in his arm, but his he's like. But eh. you see a needle in his arm. It's like, it's ridiculous. No, Obviously, <laughs> you don't. Man, this is a kids' movie. It would be pills or nothing. <laughs> but, so so he's like, whoa, whoa, young man, you need a ticket, and he's like, eh, and he has his hand and he's waving his hand and he just goes ah. He, no, 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 no. He comes up with the other one. It's oh, the worst misdirection in the world. He's like. You look at this hand, look at this hand, and then his left hand, he, with his right hand, and then his left hey, hand comes up with the ticket. Isn't he doing, like, the rock symbol? He's doing, like, the rock oh, and roll, maybe. like, the... I just know he was like, and Harry Houdini would do this, and then he pulled this out, and it's like, man, that was just in your pocket. That wasn't impressive. You are not Harry Houdini. This was, like, a thing, like, when they needed someone who knew magic, they used Houdini. Houdini was so, like, sanctified, like, back in the day. I remember, like, thinking he was, like, a God. legitimate magician. Yeah. Like, they even say that in the movie. Like, Houdini was revered as a god. Like, it's crazy. Like, he was just, like, a guy who could get out of a straitjacket really well. Like... He couldn't handle getting punched in the stomach because, you know, he he got subsist. Hey, 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 hey. That's what happened. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) He just... He had a bad day. He didn't have time to tighten his, like, incredibly rock-hard abs, apparently, was the thing. Yeah, like, he, he clenched at the wrong angle and his appendix burst. And he didn't go to the hospital for like 10 days. 
He's like, I'm, I'm, like, fine. I'm fine. Just give me some whiskey. <laughs> whiskey and a ticket. Harry. I gotta, I gotta, get, gotta put and leave my magic powers in this ticket for this kid in 1993. <laughs> Harry, you're copping up a lot of ball. No, it's tickets. <laughs> to the show. <laughs> Come to the show. Uh, so the ticket, the ticket looked cool. Yeah, and it was like an old timey like admit one ticket, but it was huge. I remember. Okay, so. When I saw this the first time, I was like, oh my god, that ticket is so cool. And seven-year-old me, and then he ripped in, and I went, <gasps> <laughs> It's like then someone, like, like tore, up. like, Woodstock tickets, like, on, 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 uh... Or opened up, like, a first, a first Superman from Action Comics, and yeah, just started, just like... Ripping it apart. <laughs> yeah, I remember, my dad started laughing, I was like, what's so funny? <laughs> because I just remember that, he's like, and then, uh, now it's yours, rip. I was like, oh! <gasps> The sentimental value. See, it, this, I, I missed this part because he takes the ticket, and what I did not see was he rips it in half and he puts one half inside the ticket taking box. I thought that, like, he just gave both halves back to the kid. And so when later on another character gets uh, one half of the ticket, I was like, why is this a big deal? They have the other half. I didn't realize that he did not have it the whole movie. Do you think that. The only way the magic would work on the ticket is if he ripped it because Nick's been in this theater and this this ticket has been in this theater the whole time. Mm-hmm. So do you think that it had to be ripped for him to be able to go into parallel worlds? That's a good question. Um, I don't think so. I think that the ticket magic resides inside Danny. And I think that it's his, his, Gross. his, his yeah, <laughs> I, I think that it's his love, his belief and his bowel movements that make, because <laughs> he's wiping his butt with the ticket. No, I, I think, I think that it's Danny's, um, love of the movies that give the ticket its power. That's my personal take I on it. I can't believe you said bowel movements. You can wipe that out if you want. Womp! No, I'm never gonna, no, no, I just, I, the term bowel movement is just so funny. Fine, his poopies. <laughs> um... Yeah, so... Wait, did you say I can wipe that out? Yeah, yes, I did. Thank you for catching that. Thank you for catching that. So so he's watching the movie, and he predicts... He's really good. Like, this Mm -hmm. is... I I say this movie is like the original Cinema Sins. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Because he's pointing everything out. I hate Cinema Sins. But you're right. You're right. Um, Because it opens up with Art Carney, who... uh, From The Honeymooners, who plays... Oh, what is it? Jack's second, uh, his favorite second cousin, yeah. Frank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like super cheesy action movie reasoning and rationale. Yeah, like, because it's usually like they killed his son. Or they, his brother. Or they his they have his daughter. <laughs> they got his, they killed his second favorite cousin, <laughs> Frank. Big mistake. Oh, that's his catchphrase. Big mistake. Big mistake. And. They thought that that was going to be another Arnold catchphrase oh. because of this movie. Um, well, big mistake on their part. Yeah. So the, you introduce the bad guy of the movie, uh, played by Charles Dance. Yes. Benedict, who he's one of my favorite villains in a movie. Like I've always loved uh, Terry Benedict. Is his name? I've always mm. loved this character because he's awesome. He is. Um, so he's he starts off as the henchman of. Um, like a drug lord or a gang yeah, leader? A uh, mafia boss. A mafia boss. Fratelli. So, yep. Yeah. So like, he's like... Torelli, because yeah, 
Fratelli is Goonies. And and they, they establish that he's like in a, a top-notch assassin. He's a crack shot. And he has a really dis- cool, distinct feature where he's got a glass eye. Um, oh, those eyes are so cool. They're cool and creepy. <laughs> but, like, so later on, yeah, like, what he does as a villain in terms of, like, exploring his worlds and, like, his motivate Not motivation, but, like, how he, like, learns is... Really unique and cool. They wanted a Hans Gruber-like villain because originally Shane Black and uh, John McTiernan wanted uh, Alan Rickman. Which makes sense. I can see that. And Alan Rickman was too much money. So Golden Child had come out at this point, and they're like, let's get that guy. And for the longest time, Charles Dance's business card said, for when Alan Rickman is too much money. It said, Charles Dance. For when Alan Rickman is too much money. And I always <laughs> got a kick out of that. I wish I had one of his business cards. Pretty awesome. And Charles Dance is great. And um, so an ongoing joke that they keep doing is uh, Torelli, played by Anthony Quinn. Like, that's another huge celebrity. Anthony Quinn, who was in Lawrence of Arabia and La Strada. <laughs> like, he he's the, one of the throwaway villains. And he can't get, like, simple catchphrases. Like He's, he's like Biff. Yeah, uh, he's like it's like you're as good as a screen door on a on a battleship screen door on a, a submarine, submarine idiot. Dork. But like it's so it's things like that that he says. Like there's one where he's like, oh, he's in front of the eight ball. It's behind the eight ball, you moron. My favorite is this one that he says because he goes, you see, Benedict is also a baker, so killing you would be as easy as cake, easy as pie, you Sicilian schmuck, yeah. so- Sicilian schmuck. <laughs> Hey, as an Italian, I find that very offensive. I really don't, but it's fine. Um, Wait, you're Italian? Yes. I thought you were Irish. I No, 0% Irish in my body. I'm not Irish at all. Oh, my I'm, God. I'm Italian, English, and I don't remember what else. I'm still, I'm still Jewish. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my great-grandmother, no, yeah, my great-grandmother's last name was Pastille, and she... Uh, owned an Italian, or she operated an Italian restaurant. I just feel like a schmuck now. Yeah, a Sicilian should. schmuck. Yeah, no, I'm the Sicilian schmuck. Don't don't worry. I am not offended by that in any stretch of the imagination. But yes, very Italian. It, it, it was just their banter. Hands. Their banter with each other is so good. It's funny. It's great, and it's just like it's a perfect setup for. Like, you know what's going to happen. You know that Charles Dance's character is going to kill the drug lord or the, the gang leader eventually yeah, and take over. They do and the that's mystery. what happens. And it's, it's so cliche, but awesome. And so my favorite uh, Art Carney moment is coming up. So Art Carney, who Art Carney was on The Honeymooners, but he is also an Academy Award winning actor. Like, he he has an Oscar, and he's in this movie. Like, you have a ton of Oscar winners. F. Murray <laughs> Abraham's in this movie. Anthony Quinn has an Oscar. I don't think Charles Dance was ever nominated. But no, but I know. Y- you have all these Oscar-nominated actors or Oscar winners in this movie, and it's amazing. So, Art Carney is strapped to a chair, and um, he's locked in his house, and Jack shows up, Arnie shows up, mm-hmm. and these two cops are in front. Because like they got an anonymous call that there was a a, dr- a cocaine or it was a crack house. It was a crack house. It was a crack house. And this line is great. He's like, "What do you what do you want? Two guys standing on the front lawn throwing cocaine at each other." <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah. How are you supposed to know it's a crack house? Come on, guys. <laughs> and so so Arnie shows up and he's like, 
there's no way that the, that my 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 second cousin, who is my favorite second cousin, is a drug. Is this is a crack house? And so he goes in, and Art Carney's just there in a chair, tied up. And this is like prime action movie mocking because like Art Carney tells him he's like the two gangs are gonna merge together. And then Arnold's like, okay, we're gonna get you to the hospital. He's like, it's too late. Uh, and he just dies. He says, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. It was like, what? <laughs> I'm oh, out of here. <laughs> Bye. He just, he just like slumps over. Now, <laughs> and then pinned to his shirt is just a stack of cards. Arnie takes in him a money out. clip. It's in, a money clip. In a money clip. It's a money and Ar- clip. Arnie takes him out, and he like it just says like his name, so it's Jack. And he like flips it, and it's five. The next one's a four. The next one's a three. It takes him all the way to two to, to real. He's like, oh, it's a countdown. Like, so the layer of pl- and level of planning that they put into like, okay, he's going to die at exactly. So Jack's going to arrive at this moment. Then he's going to r- come inside and see the body at this moment. And then he's going to take the cards and flip them at this moment. And that's going to be the countdown. And like, it's going to go off after that. And the level of action movie hoops and planning that they had to jump through ridiculous it's, once again it's so like ripping on the cliche that it is it's just like i can't even tell you how genius it was for 93 and like this movie tanked because of this everyone's like oh it's too on the nose i'm like that's the point of the movie I, like thinking about it i don't know when i really first noticing like satires like this like I'm sure if you go back, this and like, was the it, movie for me. You're no, you're probably you're definitely right for that. But I'm sure like it was done before this, like um, Police Squad. Yeah, uh, like that's like a pretty like and that was from like the 70s, wasn't it? Like 80s, or, 80s. Yeah, where it was like yeah, it was 80s, right? Where it was like ripping on um like cop dramas and, and procedural shows of that nature. So like I know these things existed beforehand, but seeing something like someone oh. with Arnold Schwarzenegger doing this is amazing. It, it was airplane and naked gun for me, well, and yeah, then those I were saw spoofs, this. So, but I saw those first before I saw this. But but those were more straight up comedies, whereas this one has comedic elements, but it's not a straight comedy. Yeah. But anyways, um, so the whole time Danny is watching the movie, and he's like, he's being the audience, and he he's like talking back to the screen, and <laughs> at this point, when Torelli threatens you know Jack's life, he goes, "Ooh, you're gonna pay." <laughs> You um, are so gonna pay. My my one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is when, so the bomb goes off after the countdown, and they all three. So there's two cops and Jack, and they all get thrown. And he's like, and uh, Danny's like, he's fine. Cops are dead. And so Jack gets up, dusts himself off. He looks up into a tree, and there's a cop there, an older cop, and he's like laying there dying. And he goes, two days from retirement. Uh. And then the saxophone <laughs> goes. Oh, <So laughs> funny. Oh my god, I love it. So, I love when Jack is getting chased in the next scene by, by you know, I guess... Was it just me or did it look like the same gang that chased uh, Forrest Gump because they have that <laughs> that old-timey that old timey truck and they're just chasing him? Oh, yeah. So, they throw a stick of dynamite, it goes into the theater, and then it explodes... Cause um, cause well, Jack shoots it out of the air, and when he's shooting it, it then that pushes it, cause it, yeah, it just pushes it into the actual theater. Yeah, so like the theater should be blown up, but so he runs, and and I guess you know, the explosion throws him into the screen. Yeah, 
where he ends up in the backseat of Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, car. Am I dead? So it takes him like such a long time to realize he's in the movie. Like I feel like if I woke up and I was face to face with Arnold Schwarzenegger, like he doesn't even recognize a Schwarzenegger right away. Yeah, like after especially like you were just watching the sequence, buddy. Like and you're all of a sudden in the backseat of a car Where with Arnold I? being shot at and getting dynamite thrown at him. Like come on. <laughs> oh God, where am I? You Who have a is magic this? Ticket. I I said to you that I would have loved if like they tricked the audience and made you think he goes into the movie and the whole movie is just him watching the movie, commenting. That would have been interesting. That would have been so funny. You're like, when does he go into the movie? Well, because at first, like, because that okay, I liked a lot in this movie. The only thing that I was like, eh, about or one of the only things was the amount of time that he was just watching a movie within a movie felt like a long time. Like, obviously, they were, like, setting up the characters and, and whatnot and establishing the players, but it just felt like it took forever to get him in there. But once he did, it was hit the ground running. Yeah, and the cliches that they do during the, the car chase, like the one-liners, I always wanted Jack's, Jack's car because he drives it with two feet on the wheel, no feet on the gas pedal. He's like, you're driving with no hands. And I was like, oh, it was a self-driving car. I want that car. <laughs> We're going to have those soon, Scott, so you'll get it. No, I don't want that now. I don't want it anymore. Um, but the one-liner he does, he shoots an ice cream truck. The ice cream truck explodes <laughs> in a... Sn- uh, uh, ice cream a, cone. Yeah. Uh, cream what, cone. What's it called? Uh, drumstick. A drumstick yep. goes into the back of the guy guy's head and he goes, Ice that guy, cone face. <laughs> <laughs> wow. His you puns really before Batman and Robin. <laughs> I'm like... Um, they end up getting chased to the area where they shot T2 Judgment Day. I was like, they had to do that on purpose. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that had to Greece. be done on purpose. Grease, uh, Rebel Without a Cause, and Drive were the four films that were filmed there. Yep. So it was, uh, so so the, you now have your classic uh, chase down a, a waterway, or what are they called? Aqueducts? Or yeah, it's an aqueduct. Aqueduct. Um, and so that leads to. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger eventually. So this is also an amazing part. So like he goes the soundstage. Well, yes, but no. When he's exiting the aqueduct, he like comes out and he like does this massive jump where he ends up like on the t- roof of another car and then he drives down the front of the roof of the other car. And then if you so Danny's now like ta- figured this out and he's like talking to Arnold about like you're you're a movie you're so and so blah blah and he's like what are you talking about I don't know I don't know anything that you're talking about if you look in the background the other two cars that were chasing him do the same thing they like fly out of the aqueduct but they don't have another car to run into so they just like crash and explode and it was I, the things that happen in the background of this movie are brilliant. John McTiernan is such a good director. It's a shame that, like, he made Rollerball and then, you know, went to prison for tax fraud or something like that. Yeah, um, like you do. Uh, but his direction in this movie is so good. And you need someone who is familiar making a movie like this. Yes. Like, if this was, if they got, like, one of the Zucker brothers, or like it would be too over mm-hmm. the top. But to get a real, you know, action director to make a action movie... Like, they take this so seriously, and that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah, I love it. And it great. when Danny goes, we're in a soundstage, the look Arnie gives him is just like, what are you? Wait, you know, what? What? Because he, like, does, like, this thing. He ends up in an alley, and they end up, like, and it's clearly a soundstage, a heli. 
and like he ends up playing chicken with another car. Yeah, which he's is like, a recurring theme in this I movie. I love fasten your seatbelt, please, and close as many fingers as you possibly can. <laughs> Cross as many fingers as you Across. possibly can. Um, so like they play chicken, and this is like establishes like a a running theme of chicken in the movie where the hero will always win chicken because he's the hero of the movie yep so like the the goons um swerve at the last moment and crash spectacularly arnie takes uh, a stick of dynamite and blows up the remainder remaining he lights ones. a cigar with it and then blows yep. it. but where do they end up when when the when it crashes Oh, I don't remember. It's the photo shoot for the lingerie models. Oh, that's right. That was so weird and random, but awesome. Like, they're just Be- like, yeah. <laughs> because and they're it- like doing like, it crashes. It just like, so we, they swerve away from Arnie's car. They hit a ramp. And then in midair, for no reason, the car explodes into flames. It's, it's, and like, then you have people doing full body burns running through these lingerie models. Yeah, the lingerie mar- models. My favorite is the one who just waves her hands in front of her face like she's hot. Like, oh, like there's a guy doing a full body burn in front yeah, of her, Scott. Of course she's hot. But she's crying and she's like, Aah. My favorite was the one with the nice butt that ran by. <laughs> that was a lot of them. A lot of them had nice butts. This was a 90s movie. Like, 90s, they always... Yeah, they, had, they had 90s butt. <laughs> Long this, butts. Yeah. Like the the lingerie scene, one girl is it was gratuitous. It well, was like really weird. Well, what I wanted to point out is one of the bras was a motorcycle. Like like it was it was like headlights and like she had motorcycle handlebars like room room right on the side of her chest. That's um inappropriate calling a girl handlebars, Scott. Very inappropriate. <laughs> So they go to the police station and police station's a goddamn work of genius. It's so good. I'm pretty sure this is the same police station that they use in Demolition Man, which came out a year later. Um, and because it looks exactly the same, it's so clean and so great looking. And coming out of it is Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct and Robert Patrick T one thousand. Oh, like exactly in their their costumes from that yeah and he's like hey i was just in a police station and this is much nicer and um they establish that arnie's ex-wife jack's ex-wife calls him and he puts on a tape of himself just being like yep uh uh-huh yep sony had a product at the time they had tape recorders and and stuff like that but they had a i'm trying to remember what it was called sony mini disc plus and it was this little cartridge that looked like a Game Boy cartridge that you would plug into an audio device, and it would hold forty whole songs. It's amazing. That's like it's like a Zune. Yeah, it's crazy. And they were trying to use this movie as the way to market this device, and it failed spectacularly. Uh, talk boy, it was not. It was no talk about, yes. Um, Another cliche in the police station that they do is syncing up different police with... That's so good. That's one of my favorite jokes. (laughs) With, like, the cliches. You have the fat cop and the beautiful nerdy blonde. You have a a, a random regular cop with a rabbi. You have um, a a lady cop with an animated sidekick. An animated cartoon cat played by Danny DeVito. Yep, which was great. And they go back to this joke... Because, uh, well, every time like you cut back to it, there's a new crazy pairing, which yeah. is like it's used as like scene filler and transitions. It's good. 
and uh, so I love when the the chief pairs him up with Danny because like I feel like this movie was uh, making fun of because at the time Stallone was friends with Arnold they had Planet Hollywood but they also had a feud and I feel like this movie was making fun of Stop or My Mom Will Shoot <laughs> because the whole premise of that is he's paired up with his mom and she has a giant magnum gun. Like the movie poster was Estelle Getty with like this Rambo gun. <laughs> I remember the poster. Or Dirty Harry gun. So he gets paired up with Danny because Danny knows who the bad guys are. Yeah, because Danny's like using his movie knowledge to like... Advance get, get, the plot. Exactly, to advance the plot and to like try to convince everyone that he knows what's going to happen next because he's like, you guys are in a movie. And he like goes into like this elaborate backstory between Arnold and the chief and like I, why they respect each other and love and like I are best friends. I love the backstory because his wife ran away with a circus juggler or something. Yeah, and so like, but Arnold uh, corroborated with his story about like she moved up to New England and she got that, a different job in New England and she's staying with her mom while she gets situated. Yep. <laughs> Jack, you're my best friend and I could never betray you. And then I love when the chief is like, "You said you would never tell, and I didn't." <laughs> so good. And he's like, Jack Slater won. What does Jack Slater winning have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah, that you, that happened in Jack Slater won. That was funny. And I love that he gets paired up with him. So I guess in Jack's world, getting paired up with someone means this person goes with you everywhere. Yeah. Stays with you in your house. Because like, they're together for at least three or four days. Yeah, it's like he's his ward. It's like Danny Boy Wonder. <laughs> Like, it's crazy. I would love for them, them to address like him not knowing how to take care of a kid after his son died. And he's like, don't worry, you can sleep over there. And it's like a cardboard box with like kibble. Uh, spoiler alert. We don't know that his son's dead yet, Scott. Yes, we, we, haven't seen the, we haven't seen the end of the third movie yet because it got fuzzed out. <laughs> but so do they go to the house first or do they go to the bad guy's house first? They go to Benedict's house first. Oh, and this is another thing. So... They 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 go to Blockbuster first, but oh when, yeah, because he's trying to convince him that the Blockbuster joke's great. Yeah, so before they go to the Blockbuster, they're in the um the parking garage, and this is where it gets like so brilliant because the audio in this, the sound, they make it sound like like they're clearly in a sound stage, mm-hmm. and like they have that echo, like it hasn't been fixed in post yet. Yep, and I was like, wow. Who would have thought of that? Like, the only person who ever really did something like that with sound was Orson Welles, like, for Citizen Kane. And I'm not saying... Did this, you literally just compare this I'm movie not to comparing, Citizen I'm Kane, not comparing Scott? This, I'm not comparing this movie to Citizen you Kane. You just did! You said it's like Orson Scott or Orson no, Welles from Citizen no, Kane. No, I'm just saying that the, to, to, the only person who thought of of manipulating sound to let people know that they're watching a movie Kane. was Citizen Kane. Which you're, which you're comparing I'm, to Last Action Hero. <laughs> I'm saying just... And saying Citizen Kane is garbage compared to it. Yeah. That's what This you movie is so stuff. much better than Citizen Kane. Like, this is the Citizen Kane of meta <laughs> police cop movies. You're not wrong. <laughs> and so um, Danny has, like, ten minutes to prove to Jack... That they're in a movie, so they go to Blockbuster. And this scene made me kind of sad, because I was like, oh, I miss Blockbuster so much. I miss video stores. I, I do and I don't. Like, I remember, I have very fond memories of going into them and being like, what video game am I going to take home for the weekend? This is my weekend. I'm going to get to play this all weekend, blah, blah, blah. 
But at the same time, um, the future's great, and I love Netflix, and I love yeah. being able to go on Netflix and get whatever I want whenever I want. I, I just love how they tried to set up Blockbuster as like a, a movie theater, even though all they had was video cassette tapes. Um, yeah. And in here, they once again, they go so meta. Quick, where are the Schwarzenegger films? Foreign films are in the back. No, action! This guy's an action star. Down the center, on the left. No, it isn't possible. What's not possible? He's fantastic. This is his best performance ever. But that was you. You were in that movie. Danny is standing. The movies he's standing in front of are Die Hard, Predator, and Medicine Man, which were all directed by John McTiernan. <laughs> and and um, the joke here is he walks in and he's like, Schwarzenegger's like foreign films are over there. <laughs> uh, she, I should say, because yep. it's Angie Everhart, um, supermodel Angie Everhart, which they're trying to play on the whole fact that only supermodels exist in this world. Like, exist there's no normal world. looking. There's women. no normal looking. You don't have any Oprahs or any, you know, you know. Wow, Scott, that's rude. Well, Oprah, Oprah's beautiful. Oprah's yeah. her own beautiful blossom. But, I know what you're saying, though. but. But she looks more like your mom than she looks like, you know... You can just say they don't have my moms. But Or your mom. I love Oprah. I'm all Oprah. I'm all about the Oprah. That's fair. No, um, yeah, there's no, like, standard-looking people. They're all either, like, crazy supermodels or, like, super fat and dumpy. <laughs> like, cause, like, there's there's no like a bunch between. of fat cops that are just all... But like, they're all male. Dudes. Exactly. They, they look like a bunch of Louis Andersons. <laughs> um, even when they have, like, the... Um, at at the at the Sicilian funeral, which we're gonna get to, but even the the grandmas are kind of pretty looking. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that was so funny. So when he's walking through Blockbuster to prove that Arnold exists in this world, mm-hmm. he comes across a giant standee for T two Judgment Day, starring. Sly Stallone. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's fantastic in it. <laughs> he's like the best. He's, he's this a This is modern... his best movie. Yeah, so, so funny. Like, and... Great, great meta commentary on just like the Stallone-Schwarzenegger uh, relationship. Super and I, funny. I love when the kid freaks out because he doesn't realize he is the comic relief. He doesn't realize that he's like the Rob the Schneider. Partner, yeah. Yeah. And because he goes, ooh, ooh, ooh. You're in this movie, and this like another another rock and blonde turns around and goes, "You're in a movie," <laughs> and Schwarzenegger, without missing a beat, is like, "It's called the Girl of My Dreams, and it starred you." And I'm like, "Oh, you are so smooth, Sly." He is. I mean, uh, Arnie. It, nice it's, try. It's like she is your maid. Gross. Well, that's what he did. We're, we're, we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not even tackling that. Nope. So, um. And the other thing that he tries to address is like, what's the phone number of this place? Five, five, five. That was a clever joke. That was cool. Like, and what's your phone number? It's okay. He's my partner. Five, five, five. He's like, isn't it weird that every single number starts with five, five, five? And Arnie's like, yeah, but there's four other digits. There's uh, area codes. <laughs> really funny. So yeah, then then they find um, Charles Dance's house with a... By just driving around him being like, oh, that's it. 
and it's like, just like yep, there it and is. I love how he comments on like I went to all of these classes I went through like six years of police school and all I had to do is say the bad guys are in there well, that's super funny because anytime you watch a big dumb action movie with like a big dumb action star it's not like they ever deal with background checks fingerprinting or like actual detective work it's always like Bruce Willis blasting his way through a, a, a apartment or a office building or uh, Rambo blowing up the jungle or Arnie murdering predators. Like the fact that like he brings up his actual police training, which is not anything you ever see in those big dumb action movies is hysterical. It makes me so sad that, I mean, as much as I love Jurassic Park, it still makes me sad that this movie, you know, did not do well. Yeah. Uh, Yes and no. Like, the fact that it didn't do well stinks from a, like, a, a retrospective standpoint, but it doesn't really matter because would you have wanted to see a sequel to this? I wouldn't have. This movie stands perfectly on its own. I know, but I just wish more people recognized it. I feel, uh, yeah, it's possible that, like, more people like it now. You said earlier that there's midnight screenings of this movie now? Yep. There are midnight screenings that's all weird. across L.A., New York, and Boston. So it sounds to me like it's getting its recognition finally, so that's awesome. It is, but I, I also would like to see this at a decent hour in a theater. Uh, touche. Yeah. Um, also, the only other time I've ever seen this movie reference, they reference it twice in Ready Player One. In the book, the fact that they call each other Amigo is based on this and uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But in the race scene in Ready Player One, they go by the movie theater that Nick's family owns and is about to be destroyed in in the race. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. And that made me happy that, you know, this film got that recognition. Um, so I love when um, after they go to... Uh, benedict's um danny basically lets slip that he knows everything and benedict is listening in um and he goes uh he, what what is it he says he says uh he hates his boss he calls him a yeah that's uh, where he yeah he goes back because well because as they're so like he he confronts him and like the uh charles dance like bl- blows danny off and so as danny and arnold are leaving um, Danny starts like being like, but I saw that scene. He was wearing his bullseye eye and he t- called his boss a dumb Sicilian or stupid Sicilian. And so like Charles Dance hears this and Charles Dance is like, something is wrong. Like he's a smart villain and he starts like piecing together that something weird is happening and he need- knows that he needs to get to Danny, like to figure out what is happening. So, they go to his ex-wife's house, and he's like, your ex-wife isn't there. He's like, how do you know? Her name wasn't in the credits. It's true. <laughs> it's very impressive. But you know whose name was in the credits, Scott? Introducing. Miss Veronica Vaughn. Bridget Wilson Sampras. Bridget Wilson. No, no, no. Veronica Vaughn. So hot. Want to touch the hiney. This was That's a- problematic, and we shouldn't say it. This was actually her first movie. Oh, so, was it? So when they said introducing such and such, 
on the actual movie posters, it was introducing Bridget Wilson. That's awesome. See, I was actually curious as to like when the timeline, because Billy Madison was what, 94, 95? Billy Madison was 95. She did Billy Madison and Mortal Kombat at the same time. That's right. She was Sonya Blade. She That's is Sonya right. Blade. She was she was miscast in that movie. She shouldn't have been in that movie. I've it's been years since I've seen it and I don't remember anything about it. It's bad. <laughs> um so she plays Arnold's daughter and her first scene is she makes out with Danny. She just kisses him. She grabs But it's still weird. But it's a long kiss. It is. It's a mwah. It's a more than thirty second kiss. No, it's not. More than twenty. No, yeah, it no, it's a full blown porno in the middle of the movie, Scott. <laughs> no, it's like it's like a five second Frencher, but there's no no tongue. <laughs> Frencher. That's from anger management. I think they call it five second Frenchers and ten second tongues. <laughs> um, I don't know why I remember that. I don't remember anything else from that movie but those those quotes. So um, Arnold's like, "Why are you kissing random guys?" And she's like, "It's for my sorority." And yeah, it's like for a, yeah, like a hazing thing that she's yeah. doing or whatever. She has to kiss a dork. And, Ouch! And she she goes, but he's pretty cute. Oh, he's not cute. He's vicious. He's probably gonna say he loved you and gone with the wind. First <laughs> off, that came out in 1939, and this is 1993. She would have been like dead by then. He was just making a joke. Arnold's around allowed to make jokes, Scott. Arnold is not allowed to make <laughs> jokes. No, he plays the straight man, and that's it. He always gets in trouble when he makes jokes. Um, so what I loved about like the whole father-daughter relationship was this was also a cliche i feel like this was making fun of arnold and commando like his relationship with like Alyssa milano i've never seen commando oh okay um yeah i've info on miss veronica oh yeah i'm just looking her up um i'm curious to what she what else she did she did uh, she did a movie called love stinks with french stewart that stinks yeah um and I think she was in The Wedding Planner. She was. She yeah. hasn't done much since then, really. Yeah, because she's married to Pete Sampras. She just did... 2008 was her last movie, and she hasn't done much between then. And they're all movies I've never heard of. Um, stinks. I, I love basically this entire scene with her because Charles Dance shows up. Um, Arnie sees a picture of his son and has to leave. He has to go for a drive. Because we then finally get the flashback to what happened at the end of the movie, where or of the third movie, where Arnie shoots the serial killer man, but as he's going over the edge, he grabs Arnie's son and pulls him to his death. And that's horrifying, but what makes it, you know, less horrifying is the kid goes, <laughs> Yes. That, that took away all of them. But that was a really clever use of not showing us the full ending of the movie earlier with it going out of focus. I liked that. I liked that we got more of um, Jack Shepard, Jack Slater, Jack Slater's backstory through a flashback to a previous movie. And it made him actually feel like more of a character and not just a movie caricature. Well, that is based on um, Lethal Weapon with uh, Riggs. His, his whole, son or his, his wife. His wife. That's right. His wife. Dies. His wife being murdered, because um, they don't show the flashbacks until uh, part two, and um, Benedict shows up. I love when he shows up because he says this entire brilliant speech about Shakespeare, uh, not Shakespeare, about Sherlock Holmes, and he's like, "I did my research on you, Danny Manigan, and you, uh, the fact that you don't show up anywhere." 
may seem improbable, and you know everything about me. So as Sherlock Holmes says, what it what is it? What's it's um when you've removed all the logical or when you've eliminated all the logical possibilities, only the illogical remains. It must be true. So he is the only one that believes that Danny is from the real world and they're yep. in a movie, which is awesome. Like a really smart villain. Like I love that. I like that he figured it out. Just by hearing him over over say it, and then use his own ingenuity to figure it out. As much as you want Arnie to win, you kind of want Charles Dance to win. No, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, He's smart, so it works. This is the one thing that always, you know, I thought was brilliant because he goes, "If you hurt one hair on Mer- on uh, Meredith's head, or Whitney, her Whitney. name's Whitney. The in, character's name is Whitney, and the actress who is supposed to be playing her is Meredith." Um, and he keeps calling her the actress's name. Yeah. Um, if you hurt one hair on her head and he just goes up to her, rips a hair out of her head. And then breaks it in half, <laughs> which is great. He's like, what are you going to do? Nothing. <laughs> and then he pulls a knife. He's like, I'm just going to hurt you a little bit. <laughs> just a smidgen. So uh, uh, Whitney's awesome, though. She like goes, because clearly with Arnie as her dad, or Jack as her dad, she has all this like combat training. So she dispatches two dude or one dude in her bedroom. Like she, she kills him. Play. She beats. She breaks his neck. Like she like, steps on it and snaps it. But the way she does it, like she's screaming like she's being like hit. Yeah. And that is so smart. Clever misdirection because she's like, oh no, he's he's abusing me. He's beating me up. But she's the one doing all the fucking brutal murder. Doesn't she like twist his neck with her like? thighs yeah she like black widows him oh my god that would be a terrifying way to go yeah ouch (laughs) um so then uh he he tries to pay off charles dance he's like there's two thousand dollars in there just take it and this is a joke that you liked he keeps throwing stuff to a henchman yeah and the henchman just keeps on dropping it it's so like it's such a background thing and it does not add anything to the slot uh to the um plot but like the this one henchman just keeps on dropping things. Like he can't, like he gets the money tossed to him. He gets, what else does he get tossed? A gun. A gun. Like he gets like several things tossed to him and he drops them all. And it's so funny. It's just like, it makes no sense, but it's just like that actor gave his character a defining feature and God damn it. If he did not drill it into you. (laughs) Um, so then the doorbell rings and skeezy shows up and, he his eyes are closed and he has the smooch ready to be kissed and that's when um arnie comes through the ceiling he's like hi welcome to the party and he just he just like he like murders so this is like um action movie like 101 stuff here he murders like everybody there's this one point where um there's a guy he's killed a guy and he's sitting in a chair and arnie's hiding behind the chair and there's another person shooting at him so arnie takes a, a wire from a lamp and he like sticks it onto the dead body electrocuting the dead body making it like twitch and it, so the dead body starts shooting and he shoots and kills the other guy we call that frankenstein <laughs> yeah dr frankenstein uh it's very weird and very funny oh this movie is so good i love it i love it <laughs> and um so does charles dance just leave okay i don't remember so how he gets out of there he uh he gets thrown across the room by Schwarzenegger, and while Arnie's killing everyone else, he uh, gets away with his driver, and Arnie, oh, that's right. Arnie does the backflip off the back, and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, like, jumps down, because, like, their house is, like, built into, like, the top of a, a hill, and he, like, jumps down and, like, 
parkours off of every other house down to the street. And there's like four of them. It's great. Yeah, it was awesome. And so then Arnie starts and, chasing after them. And Danny and, plays chicken on a bicycle. Yeah, he, this is where he gets a pink little girl's bike. And he starts riding around and he's like, it's okay. I, I'm the hero. I'm, I'm a hero in the movie. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. And so he starts playing chicken with the bad guys, he, as we've seen earlier. And he realizes that he is... I'm just the sidekick! <laughs> and he goes flying and he pulls a uh, E.T. and goes shooting across the moon. Yeah, like the biggest moon ever. He ends up yeah E.T.ing across in front of him. And Arnie like sees him. And this is like when Arnie like starts to respect him. Because he's like... You did good, kid. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> and he's like, he got the ticket. And he's like, oh, man, I wanted That's it for my... Happens. That's right, because in this point, Charles Yance knows about the ticket, and he steals the ticket. Yep. Because uh, he, he grabs his wallet. He mugs the kid. He grabs the wallet. And there's a picture of Danny. Who carries a picture of themselves <laughs> in their own wallet? Who doesn't? Me? I have a picture of myself in my wallet. Really? Do you remember? No, of course <laughs> I was not. Like, you're like, I'm not a psycho. I haven't done this in years. Did you used to carry like pictures of your friends around in your wallet when you were growing up? Uh, I had like pictures of like Tiffany and like school pictures of like my friends and stuff like that in my wallet. I mean, if if they gave them to me, yeah. Oh yeah, these were it's not these were consented pictures. They were like school pictures. It's not like I took pictures of them with my phone, like just printed well, them. Well, the only time that I did that was like for senior pictures. Like we traded them like baseball cards. Mm-hmm. That was the only time. It wasn't like school picture day. It was only senior year that we did that. I had some pictures of, of me and, and friends in my wallet because I was a big old nerd. But anyways, Danny had pictures of himself, and, and he gets the ticket stolen. Um. So they're back, um, in the house. And Danny gets the brilliant idea of going like, huh, I wonder if he'll say this. And he writes down a word on the piece of paper and he goes, say this word. And Arnold's like, I'm not saying that word. And Oh, this is like he was more figuring out whether or not we're in a PG-13 movie or not. Well, to prove that it yeah, is a movie, movie because he's like, this movie's PG-13. You can't say this word. And the He's word like, I don't want him. And the word is is fuck burger. No, I'm just kidding. It was fuck. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say a much worse word, but I was like, ah, uh, no. Well, the weird part is PG-13s. You get one f bomb. I'm surprised. That, well, is that a more recent um, addition to the to, 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 to the lore? Because I the first time I remember it was Armageddon. Was like the first time I remember a PG-13 movie using fuck. Um, it's possible they were doing that beforehand, but this one had nothing in it. Yeah, it was 93. Yeah. And, like, it feels like they were trying to get this movie a PG. Like, cause, yeah. Cause was, it, what, was it a PG? It, PG this 13? is PG-13 bordering on PG. Like, it's a soft PG-13. Um, it's only PG-13 because of all of the shooting. I could see that, yeah. Um, and There's like, some blood, too. There, like there's when, a few when, shits. Oh, is there? I missed them all. Yeah. The kid... It's... Well, Danny says shit the most because he goes oh shit i'm the comic relief oh shit 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 and, <laughs> and he goes flying across the moon yeah and i mean there's some like morbid stuff happening in here there's like that whole sequence where arnie's carrying around a dead body and like there's a couple towards the end spoiler alert we, we go through the whole movie but arnie gets shot and he like he like bleeds out there's oh, like yeah. a lot of blood coming out of him so like that and it's, it's a pretty realistic portrayal of a gun a gunshot wound so that makes sense to me I just, like, this, the fact that my mom let me watch this uh, when I was seven years old and it was PG-13, like, made me realize that this isn't, like, a hard 
PG-13. If she wouldn't let me see the other PG-13 movie, Jurassic Park, at the time, mm. like, this movie wasn't that bad. Jurassic Park was more realistic with giant dinosaurs, he says. But the excitement and tension is more realistic as opposed to this. It was a little bit more tongue-in-cheek. Well, it wasn't even the dinosaurs. She wasn't worried about me having nightmares because I knew that dinosaurs weren't real. It was the fact that Tim gets electrocuted and she didn't want me... Like, I was scared of death at this time. I've talked about it on the podcast before. I was and still am scared of death. And Death's the, in this movie. Were you scared of that part, Scott? No, no. No, because I was like... I you were scared of death, Scott? <laughs> Not Sir Ian McKellen? Well, I was like, that's the guy from The Shadow. Um, but... It was Tim being electrocuted that, that my mom was worried about me seeing. Oh, that's fair. It was my, in the trailer, wasn't it? Uh, I feel like I remember him flying off the... Maybe I'm thinking that, of like when they were showing it on TV. They would, they would show it, but anyways. N- yeah. Um, so this movie was fine. Good. And, good movie. And um, the next scene is skeezy yeah his name's skeezy right the little kid y- yeah yeah he goes mr slater mr slater i caught the one-eyed man's uh uh his license was- plate right or was it uh yeah license plate yeah. and he goes what do you mean one-eyed man <laughs> he goes he only had one eye in and uh a cop wearing gloves picks it off and says vengeance is and he turns it yeah, to like line the letters up, and it's vengeance. What is cop my- would do that? I know that's tampering with evidence. Yeah, but it explodes, and then it cuts to this is the most like cartoony sequence. So the house explodes. It then cuts to um, Jack and Danny in the police office, uh, in the police chief's office, being like reamed out by the police chief, and they're still like smoking from the explosion, and the police chief has literal smoke pouring out of his ears because he's so mad. Very funny. <laughs> um, I love in the scene, he, he says Diary of Anne Frank. Yeah, because he's just like... He's saying he's words. Screaming nonsense words. And you can hear like, Diary of Anne Frank, r- 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 road work. And it's like weird things like that. What I, didn't, what I didn't understand like throughout the whole movie is how the chief could not even appreciate when Jack did something right. Like the fact because he's a cliche police chief. He is a cliche police chief. But at this point, we've also had Lethal Weapon where the police chief isn't cliched. He actually supported his men. Like, Yeah, but that's one movie. The average movie. Like, they're called cliches for a reason. So you got to do the cliche. Right. Do the cliche. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, when Benedict figures out... like I always get goosebumps when Benedict figures out he can go in between worlds because the next scene is he is in his um jack just got fired Mm -hmm. and you need uh an in-between filler scene and benedict realizes that he can go in between worlds because he's looking at the um the ticket and he goes in and he just goes huh so here's my question about the ticket when danny tries to use it earlier in the movie to leave the movie it does not work he, he picks it up, and it's not glowing, and it's not being all fancy. Because he doesn't want to leave. He just wants to show uh, okay. Arnold that it's real. The ticket knows that Danny still wants to be in the movie. Okay. I was wondering if it was maybe because, like, so the scene, here's, here's my theory on it. The scene in the movie where Danny is showing Arnold about the ticket would not be happening in the movie. It was something that 
would happen between scenes so it's not a part of the movie. I think that people can only enter and exit the movies in actual scenes that were shot for the movie. So when... Um, Benedict, I believe that 110%. So, so when Benedict is leaving, that's like a scene where he would be by himself scheming and he's able to enter and leave from that location. Maybe it's the location. That location, because that location is in the movie. Um, that's like my theory on as to why I, they could do that. I believe places. you 110%. And what we haven't even touched upon, um, we still have a lot to go and we've been talking for a while. I know. Holy but, crap. This is going to be a long one. Uh, yeah. I don't care. I love this movie. I could talk <laughs> about it all day. But no one ever has talked about this and I am so glad I'm one of the first people to. Do you know who Danny is basically stealing this movie from? He's Macaulay Culkin. No. He's stealing it from Meredith because she is supposed to be his sidekick in this. Oh, yeah. He's supposed point. to be working with his daughter in this. Mm-hmm. Like that's what all of the standees like show. Yep. And she's supposed to help him get over the death of the son, according to Shane Black and Zach Penn, the, the screenwriters. Yep. So that is so fascinating that this this little boy who is such a movie junkie ends up being the main focus. And because Meredith doesn't know that that's the whole thing, that's that she's in a movie, she doesn't care because she doesn't know that. Yeah, she, her, her character has no idea. So she's just going about her everyday business and her everyday business just happens to not include spending time with her dad right now because he's dealing with this little brat kid that who is just yanking him around and so there's no need for her to be having the bonding with him very interesting yeah um now jack got fired and this is where the movie gets so dark yeah he goes to his house his apartment and it's very lonely well, yeah, his apartment is empty. There's nothing on the walls. There's no furniture except for a bed. And the only like feature is a closet, which apparently always has a murderer hiding in it because the first thing he does when he walks in is just shoots through his closet door and a guy who's hiding in there... A ninja. Yep, falls over dead. Um, and then he goes into his closet, which is like a cartoon character. Like you said as we were watching, it's like Doug. His closet is all the same outfit it's one red shirt one brown jacket and blue jeans like repeated over and over and over again so and he just changes into the same clothes because you never see like i feel like in the movie he wasn't supposed to get fired in the real narrative mm-hmm. um and danny's messing everything up i feel like he's not supposed to have an apartment and this would this is just like the costume department like how they have oh that makes sense that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And he's like, come on, we can still we can still work on the case. There's going to be a funeral for this mob boss. His name is Fart. Come on. Yeah, that was weird and funny, but weird. Uh, Leo the Fart. Um, because what happened is, I guess, Torelli was with Leo the Fart, and uh, Torelli was supposed to get shot, but the bullet ricocheted. Or no, missed. He quote unquote missed, but he didn't miss because he meant to kill. Because it was Benedict, and Benedict never misses. No. Which Uh, I I like this sequence because unless I missed it, we didn't see any of this shit happen. So it's all like they're being like, "This happened, and this happened, and this happened." So it's like they're rehashing what would have been the plot of the actual movie that we just didn't see because. We weren't watching that movie. We were watching the movie where Danny's trying to convince and like one up 
Arnold and being like, no, we're in a movie. And so we didn't actually see the plot developing, which is awesome. Yeah. Also, this scene is sad because Arnie is having a breakdown. He's like, my wife doesn't really call me. I hire a girl at the pharmacy and my daughter's going to end up being an I die a young maid because she on prom she'd rather clean out her guns. Than... Yeah. She'd rather clean her AK than go to prom. It's like, okay, dude. And then for Weird. some reason, Danny says something about the funeral, and then they end up in the car. And, and it, everything clicks together. Yeah, and and they keep doing the same joke that Jack is a terrible driver. Yeah, because like, as he's driving... This is another sequence where I'm talking about, like if you watch the background, it's hysterical because... Danny and Jack are doing just like a drive and talk like to get to the next location and they're deciphering what's happening. But in the background is like, this is also, I think because like they're not, they're not supposed to be doing this at this point in the movie. So all the extras didn't know what was going on. And so as Jack's poorly driving down the street, all these other cars are like getting into like three car pileups behind him and like flipping over and like crashing and exploding behind and, him. And he doesn't give a shit cause he's the main character and he's and just going forward. The detail in the backgrounds of the movie is why the movie was so expensive. I can imagine. Um, I can super imagine that. So they go into the funeral and Jack tells him to stay in the, um, we didn't even talk about an entire character cause he goes to meet F Murray Abraham who is John practice. Yep. And Danny the whole time is trying to convince him he's a bad guy. He killed Mozart and he goes in a movie and he's like, Amadeus have won seven Oscars. Which is great because like that's another meta reference to like this type of person. This person is ty- is uh, typecast as somebody who plays a bad guy. And so then at this moment when they arrived at the funeral, um, Jack talks to, to F. Murray Abraham and he betrays him because he's a crooked cop. And Danny is supposed to stay in the car. And he's like, well... How am I supposed to protect myself? And he goes, there's a gun in the glove box. And all these guns come it's out. It's like a waterfall of, of armament. Just Don't falls go chasing waterfalls. It's so funny. Um, so then Danny goes to save Jack and uh, gets caught monologuing like F. Murray Abraham was. <laughs> so like F. Murray Abraham's monologuing. Danny shows up behind him, holds him at gunpoint. Um, no, 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 no. Danny shows up, gets put into... The handcuffs. Uh, F. Murray Abraham has handcuffs. Puts Danny into the handcuffs. Danny has a key for some reason. Gets Be- himself out of it because of the the guy who tried to rob him at the beginning of the movie. Yes, that's right. Yeah, because and so like that's a callback to those other handcuffs being there, um, like at the beginning of the movie. And then Danny in turn gets caught monologuing, and they both get um, tied up. But then Danny DeVito cartoon cat shows up and saves the day. You. Like, you owe me one. You must have loved Danny DeVito Cartoon Cat because you love... I, I absolutely love Danny DeVito, and it was really cool hearing his voice in this movie. I well, was like, yep. This is the movie that he made instead of making Twins 2. I thought you said that's what Arnold made instead of Twins 2, right? Well, well, Danny DeVito wanted to do that. I mean, at this time, Danny DeVito was probably making Matilda or something. 93? 93. No, 96 was Matilda, so... Yeah. He was making Taxi 2. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Yes. Um, I don't know what he was doing around this time. Oh, he, Probably he, like he was Throw making, Mama from the Train or something no, like that. I think they filmed this at around 91, 92 because this was back in the day when they used real fi- film, so it took a while to make a movie. He was probably playing uh, the Penguin at this time. Oh, you're right. You're right. So, <laughs> um, 
I love this funeral scene because Arnold goes to save the body because there's nerve toxing in it that's supposed to wipe out the entire family. Yeah, because they thought it was explosives, but then they were like, no, it's farts. It's like nerve gas that's going to like destroy, the, kill the whole family. And, and Arnold goes, pull that crane. And this is the first of three times they do this joke. Danny goes, help me move this crane, but he's firing a gun. <laughs> yeah, as he's like, run, he's like he's just waving a gun and firing a gun as he's running up to him, like, help me do this thing. And everyone just clears out. I like how in order to activate the um, the fart gas bomb inside of the corpse, they pull his finger. And a timer starts going. But it's pull my finger. Yep. Funny. It's clever. Um, and I love how Arnold goes, he's still alive. Help me. <laughs> and he's like, starts like grabbing the the body and like he throws it over the edge and everyone at the funeral who are all part of uh, a mafia family whip out all these guns and like threaten to shoot him once again this is where you have the supermodel elderly ladies like these are clearly women who are supermodels who are wearing like elderly wigs yeah so funny it's so meta and um after the funeral Arnie is basically on on the crane with Danny because he just got shot up a bunch of times and still survived for some reason. Um, they end up in the La Brea tar pits, and what they used for the tar that comes off so easily was um, melted down Oreo cookies. And that it's gotta be gross. It's gotta be gross, but it also has to taste delicious. I would imagine, yes. But having it on you must make you Must sick. have been disgusting. But that, that part was funny because as Arnie gets dropped in the tar and he like just casually swims to the outside and then he just wipes all the tar off like with a napkin. And and that's where Danny says, normally tar sticks to people. Yeah. He's like, so? What do you mean? And then um, Whitney shows up with a monster truck that was established earlier as being just... Uh, her truck. Her truck. And... Gives him his change of clothes. And her car. Yep. What I loved in this scene, this is my favorite scene coming up because um, uh, Charles Dance shows back up and Anthony Quinn's like, how did it go? Tell me how it went. And he's like, it went terribly and shoots him and kills him. But then the car drives through, the monster truck drives through the house and he goes, all right, Slater, I'll go quietly. The hell you will. was for blowing up my second cousin Frank's house. And this is for blowing up my ex-wife's house. This is for blowing up my uh, favorite second cousin Frank's house. And he punches... Punches him in the gut, right? Yeah. And then he goes, and this is for blowing up my wife's house. And he takes him by the hand. Gives him a a light wrist slap. It's my favorite (laughs) joke in the whole movie. Because it just establishes how much he hates his ex-wife. Which is super good. And... I really like when the monster truck smashes in, how Charles Dance is just like sitting in a desk and like he doesn't move and like the monster truck stops like three feet away from him and he's just like, oh hum. Because he knows it's a movie. Like, exactly. Because he knows it's a movie at this point. He's like, he knows this isn't where he dies. And then, you know, they throw him into the real world and Arnie goes, normally, normally the the wall breaks. Yeah, because he threw him and throws him into a wall, but Charles Dance goes through into the real world. And this is where this movie gets super nuts because now we enter the real world yeah and we've already been watching this movie for 90 minutes and and we still have like another half an hour 45 minutes of this movie and 
This movie was long. I was not expecting it to be as long as it was. So, <laughs> Cliff notes, Jack finds out he's a fictional character. He has like a giant existential crisis it over is, it, which is really cool. It's beautiful. <laughs> like he's Because Nick's like, oh, I thought you went home. He's like, no, I was in the movie. And he's like, oh, man. And he's like, I can bang all these hot starlets. Ah, oh, Marilyn Monroe, Gene Harlow. Like... Yeah, and then and you're then, saying this in front of a kid. Yeah, he was like Nick was so excited that he was going to be able to go in and just like rail all these old movie actresses, and then he sees uh, Jack and he thinks that it's actually Arnold, and he's like, "Oh, I like your movies too." <laughs> he's like, "It's not who you think it is." It's like, "Oh, I've never met a fictional character before." He's like, "Screw you!" He's like, "I just found out I was one, you ass." <laughs> so they go home. They they, they go to the, back to to Danny's home. Yeah, and and he goes. His mom's like, where have you been? And he's like, know how you told me to make more friends? And another joke that they keep doing in the movie is he keeps getting Arnold Schwarzenegger's name wrong. Arnie keeps getting his own name his wrong. Own, yeah, his own he goes, real life name. Mrs. Madigan, I'm Arnold Braunschwager. <laughs> so good. Um, but so he convinces Danny's mom. They totally banged, right? They, they say they yeah. just talked all night, but... I think that they plowed. Although, like, maybe they didn't. I think that there was, like, a mutual attraction between them because Arnold Schwarzenegger even... Or, sorry, Jack even says, like... We talked. It was, it was nice. We talked. It was, like, he couldn't... Because earlier it's established that he's, like, a ladies' man, and if he sees a woman, he just wants to flirt with her. But, like, this is the first time he's had, like, an actual human connection with another female, or with a female. So, good for him. Oh, yeah. man. Um, so it was the, pretty good. So Charles Dance, back to Benedict, he pulls out the Ripper from Jack Slater's three, and his yep. whole plan, his plan is brilliant because he realizes that if he shoots someone, he actually kills someone in the real world. That was a really cool sequence where he's testing the limits of this new world, where he's like so expect because he witnesses a murder, and he's like standing there, and he's like, oh my god, the police are going to show up at any moment. And he's like, this is weird. They're not. Because like, in every movie, as soon as a bullet is fired, cops are there. 50 cops. Yep. And I, his delivery in this scene, because he goes, I killed a man and I did it on purpose. I wish to confess. And then someone's just like, shut sh- up. Shut up. <laughs> so like that whole him like testing his new surroundings was fascinating. It was really cool. And his entire plan is brilliant because he's going to pull out, like, Dracula and King Kong, and he gets to the Ripper first because his plan is to kill the real Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. And I said to you, how crazy would this movie be if he killed Schwarzenegger and Jack had to be Schwarzenegger from now on? That would have been really interesting because, like, I think that – I think his plan was if I kill Schwarzenegger, all of his movie characters will die. But you were like, that doesn't make sense. The movie's already been shot. Jack will be fine. Because – what I thought of right away for this is just because Heath Ledger died doesn't mean, like, you don't watch The Dark Knight or Brokeback Mountain. It's not like, oh, no, we can't watch those movies anymore because he disappeared forever. Exactly. It's like, yeah, it's not like when they captured him on the film, they were literally capturing him. And when he died, it just disappears. Because at one of the Oscars, there was this brilliant speech that was delivered by, uh, I want to say it was either, like, Meryl Streep or it was for the In Memoriam. No, it was Martin Scorsese, and he said, did you say I did it? it was me. (laughs) Yeah, he said, it's sad when we lose someone, but through film, they're never lost forever. 
because they're on the screen or if they're an editor, their hard work is on the screen. And it was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always thought of. And that's why I thought Benedict's plan was great in the movie within a movie, but it was bullshit in the real world in the movie. What I don't understand is just, okay. So the, the limitations of this ticket, meaning when you're pulling somebody out of the movie, are you pulling them out of every movie or just that VHS tape, just that film print? So, like, if I was him, why didn't he just go get, like, an army of Draculas? Like, go into Bram Stoker's Dracula and take out 40 Draculas. I don't think he understood that. Okay. I don't think he understood like, that. He should take it out 40 Rippers and then, like, just go nuts, Ripper. Go nuts. <laughs> um, Because also another movie that was on there was Sleepwalker. And Jesus Christ, yeah, that hot topic at the time, apparently. Yeah, because I, I thought, wouldn't it be great if you just pulled the two villains out of Sleepwalker? And the, if you don't know Sleepwalker, the whole premise is that you have this mother and son who are very incestuous. So he'd be like, ah, I have these cat people. And then like in the corner, they're making out. And he's like, stop that. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, guys. Come Jack for me. <laughs> your, <laughs> your mother and son. You're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. <laughs> What's that from? Avengers. Oh, Avengers, yeah. <laughs> when, um, when Hulk's trying to transform. Yep. You're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so then they have to go to the movie premiere. Because they, they deduce that he wants to kill Schwarzenegger. Yeah. That, yeah. And the, the Hollywood premiere scene opens up brilliantly because it's Maria Shriver, uh, Schwarzenegger's then wife at the time. And she's like, please don't mention Planet Hollywood. It embarrasses me <laughs> they every time. People don't like it when you talk about the bodybuilding or the, the, the restaurant. So don't. And then Schwarzenegger immediately launches into a, like, the restaurant in Planet Hollywood has a lot of great memorabilia. Very funny. Yeah, because he talks about, you know, this film is about, you know, reconnecting after the loss of a child. And he, they go, like, man, you truly are of this planet. And he's like, speaking of planet. Planet. <laughs> Uh, and you get like cameos galore. And my favorite cameo in this entire scene is little Richard. And it's like, Oh man, <laughs> baby. I love it. I love Jack Slater. I love Arnie. Shut up. <laughs> really? It was, it was so weird. Like the amount of real life cameos of people playing themselves is just fascinating to me. It was really interesting. And so, um, Danny figures out the plan that, Ripper's there and he's gonna kill him. Mm-hmm. So Jack goes to stop him and he gets stopped by MC Hammer. And he, he's like, so "I'm gonna do the music on your next album or uh, on your he, next movie." He's like, "Please, I really need this. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in Chapter Five bankruptcy. <laughs> Why so, did I buy all these parachute pants?" So the the Ripper assembles his axe and kills the uh, limo driver. The from, agent. The agent. Well, no, kills the limo driver from Blank Check. Who, is who plays pl- his agent. Who plays the actor's agent. It's so yep. meta. So <laughs> so basically, Danny gets kidnapped by the Ripper, and Jack has to go to the roof. Yep. Which now recreates the sequence from the end of uh, Jack... Jack Slater 3. Jack Slater 3. So now we have, like... Jack's new surrogate son, who he has learned to love throughout this movie, um, being held by the same person who he's already killed once before. But Jack has learned from his mistakes, and he uses like different techniques this time because it's like he electrocutes. Yeah, it's raining, and he so Danny just gets thrown over the side of the roof like unceremoniously, and then so like Jack then electrocutes the Ripper, and then 
when Benedict shows up again, he looks snazzy. Like this is after, isn't this after Arnie then like goes over the edge and saves Danny? Yeah, Danny's like he's, hanging from like a gargoyle. He, sa- he saves Danny from a gargoyle, and where they are is they're not on top of the movie theater. They're actually on top of what was then. It's now UCB, but it was the Acme Comedy Club. Which I was like, oh, a comedy club. Okay, but I saw Acme and I was like. That's a fake. That's 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 a Looney Tunes joke. What's going on here? It's very confused. And I was like, well, before UCB, there was Acme Comedy Club, and it's still kind of there, but not really. Um, and Danny, uh, Danny gets hit by Benedict because Benedict comes out of nowhere, and Danny tries to throw himself at him, and Benedict backhands him. Yeah, hard. Like he like beats the crap out and of I him. And I just love Danny's like eh. <laughs> He like starts to legitimately cry. Fake cry. Yeah, but still. It's still funny. And um he's shooting at Jack and he goes, You're out of bullets and he goes, No, Jack. I left one chamber open. Yeah, he learned the rules of the real world really quickly and used that to his own advantage. And so he shoots Arnie I, right in the chest. I gotta say <laughs> Terry Benedict is the best James Bond villain who never got to James Bond. Yeah, I agree. Like, he is so good in this. Like, not, I mean, Charles Dance's performance is great, but this character is just... The character's really well well yeah. written. So when he, uh, Jack gets shot, and, um, and Danny distracts Benedict and tosses Jack the gun, and what does Jack say as he kills Benedict? I don't remember. I'll be back? No. No sequel for you. Yeah, like- and then he just blows him away. And the ticket goes flying in front of the the American Film Institute Theater mm-hmm. that is showing Seven Seal with Ig- Ig- Ingmar Bergman's Seven Seal yep. about death. And death is played by Ian Dan- Mc- Sir Ian McKellen. Gandalf. Yep. And he comes out and he starts walking down the street murdering people. He gives like a... a, a a cop, a heart attack. Or well, a it was it was the it was a fat cop's time to go. He was smoking a, the cop was smoking a cigarette and eating a hot dog. A hot dog, and he starts choking on the hot dog. Very sad. Um, and at this time, this is uh the third time that Danny does the gun. He pulls out the gun and he's like, "Take him back to the movie theater because they're in an ambulance." Mm-hmm. And everybody just runs away. He's like, oh, that's right. People just leave when you people do this. are scared of guns. <laughs> so uh, he then drives the ambulance to the movie theater, smashes through the movie theater with the ambulance. Good thing it's getting closed down the next day. Yeah. Um, and he goes, Nick, start the projector. And Nick is having trouble starting the projector. Wait a minute. You said that it was going to be torn down the next day. Um, that th- 24 hours has passed sense because um when, oh that's right when 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 danny goes to watch that movie it's at midnight and then he wakes up the next morning maybe it's the next jack week? That, that's I, very possible i mean coming it, i think it's just it, coming soon. there's i mean i didn't read what it <laughs> says that's fine i didn't read the thing that says because it says this will soon be a low starting yes. such and such but i didn't read what the starting date was regardless danny demolish like gets an early start on the demolition for them by <laughs> smashing through the doors and so, watching Nick struggle, um, I used to work at a movie theater, and I had to lace film. It is so hard. <laughs> it is hard. Like, even when we, like, laced film through a camera when we were in film school, mm-hmm. that was hard. But try doing it on a 35 millimeter projector. Never done it. It is so hard because um, 
to make sure that it it did, the film doesn't break, you have to do two fingers, and your fingers nice. have to be at a ninety degree. Thank you. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> your fingers have to be at a ninety degree angle so that they hit the sprockets at the. So they hit the sprockets. What at, was that look? <laughs> Moving on. So so they hit the sprockets at the right angle so they don't tear. Mm-hmm. And Nick has established that he's pretty much, he, he's starting to go into dementia. He's starting to fall asleep all but the time. he has been around this stuff his whole life. So right. it makes sense that muscle memory would carry him through that. But he couldn't remember which reel was which reel. Fine, whatever. Um, and then death shows up as, as Danny, he doesn't have the ticket, but he's trying to like claw at the screen. And he pulls out... Benedict's giant gun. We didn't even talk about the giant gun. This gun is huge. Oh yeah, it's enormous. The gun had to be at least two feet long. It was big. It was very yeah. I think that sounds about right. It was and, hu- it was huge. And Danny's speech is like, "Oh, I'm tired of your bullshit. Who lives and who dies?" He's like, "Are you gonna take him?" And he was, and he's like, "No, he's not. He's never gonna take Jack. So that means Jack's gonna be immortal and live forever." Yeah, but what I I loved is he's like I was just curious. <laughs> but then death gives him the hint as to where the last piece of the ticket. Uh, why don't you get the other piece of the ticket? So Danny then goes and grabs it from the um, the ticket t- uh, taker. Because because he goes, I don't deal in fiction, but you're a brave boy, Danny, and don't worry, you don't die for a very long time. So you pointed out. If you know that you're not going to die for a long time, that's when you have to become like a daredevil, jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> going nuts. Why not? I mean, like, if you know that you live to be a grandfather, just go go crazy. Be like, all right, fine. I'm going to do crazy death-defying stunts. And so uh, Death's like, find the other ticket. So he bashes in. He, Danny's just destroying this theater exactly. left and right. He's a crushing property. And he uh, finds the ticket and he's like, it's got to work. And Jack's like, oh, I'm ready to go. And he grabs the ticket and it o- the, the, like, the theater starts lighting up and everything starts playing the movies and everything. And Arnold Schwarzenegger gets to go back home. And it's and, really sweet. And Danny wants to stay with him. And he's like, no, you got to take care of your mother. And Dan and Arnie is like, if I could be with your mother. It's basically what he says. He's like, I want to be your dad. Like, who, who is your daddy and what does he do? It's me and I do your mom. It's like, that's what he was basically coming at. I like that the concept of like they even say it in the movie like um, that bullet wound in the real world is one hundred percent fatal. But if you it get hits him, him in the the like right the lung, or, yeah. But if you get him back into the movie world, it's like that's not even a flesh wound. And like when they get him to the movie world, they get a doctor over to him, and the doctor's like, "Why are you wasting my time? This is barely a flesh wound." It was pretty good. And then the movie ends with uh, Jack finally realizing he's the star. He yells at the captain, and then he waves goodbye to Danny, and it's so beautiful. And then he drives off into the sunset and credits, and uh, that was Last Action Hero. Oh, uh, so good. It was. I was like I said earlier. I was so pleasantly surprised with this movie. Like I was shocked at how good it was. The fact that it flopped is one reason it's in the basket, but also. It's in the basket because a film like this has never been like really made up to this point. Like we we have this is the end that's very meta, but and we have like the disaster artist. But you don't have a film like this that had the biggest star at that time, who just had starred in the biggest film of all time, Terminator Two: Judgment Day, yep. and then a year later is going to be in True Lies, the next biggest film <laughs> like of all time. Yeah lampooning the style that made him famous and millions of dollars it's 
it's a ballsy move and it's really cool and I'm really impressed they did this. Like it's so awesome. This movie was fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. How sad does it make you knowing that like they uh they had to open a week after Jurassic Park? Like that's really bummy and like I don't know why they I I, I am no Hollywood executive. I don't know what, who picks the release schedule. I don't know why they just wouldn't have pushed it or like or had it open before. Like, yeah. Like, they knew that Super Mario Brothers was going to flop, so why didn't you have this film open Memorial Day weekend and then have um, Jurassic Park come out, like, three weeks later? It would have made sense. Hey, you got me. But, uh, it, well, they, as I said before, they thought this was going to be the big summer movie. The big hit. They didn't have faith in Spielberg? I mean, they had faith in Spielberg, but they didn't know because while he was making Jurassic Park, he was also making Schindler's List, so they didn't know... Didn't think he was going to give it his all or... Because he... Well, he just... Two years before, he tanked with um, two movies. He tanked with Hook and he tanked with this uh, Richard Dreyfus movie called Always. So... Spielberg's always been really interesting with when it comes to like... When he makes a tank or makes a, a movie that is like a bomb, it's a massive bomb. What was it, like 1942? Or 1941. 1941. A movie's just hot garbage. Like, it really it's, is. It's, it's bad. Yeah. It was also Toshiro Mifune's last movie, and that's really sad. Um, uh, but this film... This film's great. I, I loved it. Like, also, this film shouldn't work, like, for this time period. Like, today, if they made it today, like, it would work. Mm-hmm. But being of its time, it's very dated with the blockbuster stuff and with the... um. All the all the cameos, like I didn't know who a lot of them were because yeah, yeah. it was like I'm not super well versed in late '80s, early '90s action movie stars. But like you were like, oh, this is this and this is that and this is that, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, because you had in that scene at the premiere, you had Chevy Chase, you had Damon Wayans. Um, I recognize. Who, I didn't see Chevy Chase, but I recognized Damon Wayans. Chevy Chase was right next to Damon Wayans. I know, who, but I saw Damon Wayans. Yeah, I was like hi, Damon Wayans. Um, and then you had Jean Claude Van Damme. I did see him. Uh, Little Richard. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird one. But like, but it's interesting having like all those types of cameos. And like nowadays, who would like your action stars be like The Rock and Jason Statham? Like, I th- I think if they made this today, it would definitely be The Rock. Vin Diesel. Maybe. Who, who would who would be the Arnold role nowadays? Would it be I The would, Rock? I think it'd be The Rock, especially since. Did you ever see the movie The Rundown with The Rock? No. That movie. Wait, is that the one where he's got the bat or the the wooden plank? No, that's Walking Tall. Okay. Um, that film, uh, the rundown. He plays a bounty hunter who doesn't do guns. He doesn't. He uses he, wooden planks instead. Uh, he he actually uses his fists. Nice. Um, and but that film opens up with Arnold walking by him, and he goes, "Have fun." So like passing the torch. Yeah, because deal. Arnold was just elected governor, ah. and he just goes, "Have fun." So like I feel like The Rock is. Is our you know Schwarzenegger? Is our modern t- version of Schwarzenegger? And yeah, I feel like he's the Schwarzenegger. I feel like Chris Evans is like the Bruce Willis, or Chris Pratt is more like the Bruce Willis. I could see that, but like they've done like blockbustery movies, but never really like I guess never really like actiony movies. I guess Jurassic World is probably considered an action movie, but like when I think of like an action movie, I think of like standard movies with like the gun play yeah. and the. They're always a cop and stuff like that. 
but then that would be Melissa McCarthy because you know you're not wrong actually she's kind of become a modern action star in her own right yeah she's like a very Bruce Willisy yeah because she's she... like well because your average day person thrust into these ridiculous situations I can't emphasize enough how great a movie the heat is i've never seen it oh so good um so how many bagels oh uh you know what it's a great movie it's clearly not a perfect movie but for what it is it's 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 fantastic i would probably go with 11 bagels are still there it it dragged in a couple of places it was a little too long for me um i feel like they could have probably cut like a half an hour um maybe um and there was but some... the hard part is what would you cut? It, true, true. Some of the some of like the extra movie stuff with like they're setting up the villains. It was just I don't know something. Um, but other than that, it was yeah eleven eleven bagels. I'm so biased with this movie. I'm only taking out one. I I, I still. This... Oh, I'm taking out eleven. By the way. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well. I... Well, then I'll do what what uh, I did with Haley when she did La La Land, and she basically took out eight bagels. <laughs> They're going in my basket. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, no, uh, so there's 12 left. I I understand the pacing. That's my biggest issue is how long it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love how absurd it is. And you can tell which famous writer at the time wrote what parts of which the movie. Sequence, yeah. And that's what makes it beautiful. And the, the in-depth to like, not just the meta-ness of action movies, but also how they, they have him be an actual cop who does actual research. Like, yeah, that was funny. That was great. So, yeah. So that's where I am on that one. Oh man. So summer flopbusters. So, so far we've done, um, this is our third flop buster. Wow. We, we yeah, did. I can't believe we're doing all movies for the summer. That's so many nuts. people have, have come to me wanting to do this. And I was like, okay. Like, I, f- I feel like that's going to make me like a shitty parent. I'll be like, they're like, can we have ice cream? I was like, oh, I don't know. Please. Oh, I can't say yes. no. <laughs> like, Fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so we did Brothers Bloom and we did Nerve. The, J- the not James Franco, the Dave Franco movie. Oh, okay. And so far, Brothers Bloom was great. Nerve was terrible. This is great. Sounds like you got a pattern forming. Um, I think what's next. What's next got, for us is you said you didn't like, but well, that's not that, going to be the next one that's shown. Yeah, that's going to be in a few weeks Um, because I am doing something. There's going to be one flop buster that, for Father's Day, my dad is going to be on the podcast, cool. and that's in two weeks. And we're doing um, the Dr. Seuss movie that Dr. Seuss wrote, and he never wrote another movie. The 1,500 Fingers of Dr. T? I think or I've the, heard of that. Or the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T? I think I've heard of that. It's like a piano playing movie? I, I've i never seen it, but my dad suggested it. So cool. that that's going to be in a few weeks. Coming up next, um, we're doing Rock of Ages. <laughs> Oh, have fun with that. Uh, I hate that movie so much. <laughs> I've never seen it, but enjoy. Yep. But uh, you're going to be back at, for this summer at least one more time. Yes. Um, we shall see on the others. But well, I might pop by for, for a couple other people's, but we'll, we'll see. Well, there's one that 
I, I think you would enjoy, and I am definitely going to work around your schedule to make sure you're on that one. Okay. Um, so until next time, I am Scott Curlin. I'm Dwight Stearns. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me on your podcast, Scott. It's your podcast, too. Bye. Bye. Bye.